Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hmm? Ah! Huh. everybody i'm Kristen. i'm rima and i'm rennie and this is dragon cast podcast dedicated to house of the dragon this week we're covering season one episode eight the lord of the tides yes we are so before we get into this uh, a brief synopsis of the episode from hbo is it's six years later with the driftmark succession suddenly critical Rhaenyra attempts to strike a bargain with Rainies. Again, nothing to do with the actual episode except for like one or two scenes. But, very, you know, I guess you have to write something down. Yeah, um, put welcome, Rennie. Welcome, Rennie. Yeah. Thank you. Welcome. We're so happy to have you for the whole episode this week. I'm so happy to be here for it. Uh, as I told Rima, as I was writing notes for Book Talk, I kept writing, I, have to, I kept having to scratch things out because they weren't anything to do with the book. They were just about the episode. So I'm very happy to be able to talk about the episode. And what an episode it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, um, you know, I, I, I went to bed last night just being like, oh man, here we go. Like, it's just, uh, it's all happening now. So, and then today, you know, you, I, to do the second watch i didn't quite get to finish it but i feel like the last like 20 minutes of the episode are burned into my memory forever mm-hmm. so you know <laughs> i should be okay yeah how about you guys how did you enjoy this week rennie you go first oh yeah. i just love this show more and more with every episode it gets better and better i love hearing that love that it, it, it's the same for me. I, I have so few complaints about this season so far in this show. I, I know there are some time jumps. There's a little pacing. There are some things I wish we had gotten to spend a little bit more time on here and there um, as we jumped ahead. But I have no complaints. And this episode, just wow. I think I have to. And if I include the Game of Thrones universe, if I include that show, this is probably one of the top episodes for me, you know, talking about both shows together. And that's saying a lot, right? Because that's obviously a lot of great moments, great episodes. This this was huge. And, um, you know, not to spoil anything for the uh, non-book readers, but wow, this 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 kicks things off, folks. <laughs> so, yeah, huge. the story kind of begins here now, doesn't it? What, what what did you think, Kristen? Me, um, you know what? I 
I very much enjoyed it. I think it was really good. I am having a big problem with all these time jumps, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really wanted more story in these, you know, in these rushed um, time jumps, mainly because, you know, I knew that we were coming to Viserys's end and I wanted more of him. Um, yeah. I would have liked more lead up to the kids really hating each other because I don't think that that was really um, expanded enough. But, you know, we'll talk about that later. But as for the episode, I think it was excellent. It was well acted. If they don't give Patty Constantine an Emmy for his role for this show, something is wrong. He (laughs) is amazing. Um, You know, a lot of quiet moments, a lot of really well acted, well done quiet moments. So, um, yeah, it was fantastic. And I'm really looking forward to the next two episodes. Me too. Yeah, you're so right. Me three. (laughs) All in favor, say aye. 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 So let's kick it off. Let's uh, let's talk about this episode. Um, Rennie, as our lovely guest, would you like to go first? Yes, um, I would love to. Thank you. And my first point is heroism. And the heroism that I have in mind is the heroism of an old man walking across a room. Mm, I think that that is one. It certainly... One of the most heroic things we've seen anybody do in this season, mm-hmm. and uh, it was such a great scene. I think that it may stand through the whole season as one of the most heroic things we see anybody do. He so Viserys has been kind of a putz. He has wanted to please everybody, and uh, he couldn't please everyone because they wanted conflicting things. And so mm-hmm. he's just let all this uh, controversy brew below the surface, and he's never done anything about it. He has not been a great king, uh, but when Rhaenyra goes to him and says, you have to defend me, you know, the stakes are very high, uh, that scene would have ended very differently if Viserys had not walked through that room. Rhaenyra could have been accused of treason Mm -hmm. um, if Otto and Alicent had continued to preside. But then we see Viserys putting so much effort into just walking across the room. And then Damon comes to help him when he can't make it up the steps of the Iron Throne, and Viserys accepts his help. So we see this kind of reconciliation between these estranged brothers, uh, and Viserys takes charge. This is the first time that we've really seen him take charge in this way. Mm -hmm. And at this point in in the show, we haven't yet seen the extent of the damage that he has suffered from this disease. So later at the Mm -hmm. feast, when he takes off his mask and we see that basically half of his face is gone, that just emphasizes 
how much effort, how much courage, how much determination it took him to do what he did. Yes. So I thought that was just such an effective scene. I completely agree. I just think that it was um, all those things that you said. And and what was really wonderful was just like you were talking about with, with Viserys and Damon as Damon helped him up to the throne. There was that unset, unsaid love for each other, affection for each other, that like brotherly bond that's just there. Even though they've gone through what they've gone through, they were both they were both present in that moment. And Damon Damon had nothing but love and concern on his face. He didn't have pity on his face. He didn't have anger on his face. And um, you know, his character, I love how nuanced his character is and and how he loves his family without abandon. Just one hundred and ten percent for his family at all at all times. Yes, and and did you notice that uh, Damon put the crown back on Viserys' head? So he's almost reconfirming, you are the king. Yes, oh, yes, I had those same feelings. And then later I found out that that was an improvised moment. Yes, it was. It was not scripted. Yeah, I love that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, that is great. That just, it, it shows just how much these two actors really understand their characters. And it was fantastic i i agree with you rima um i think both of you have said it in in some way this this is the scene that will stand the test of time this is this was an immediate iconic scene yes yes definitely i i love um i love the the idea of of the series finally being a hero that was very well said and it, you know, it shows us that um, you don't always have to be um, riding a dragon or wielding a sword or beating somebody up uh, or killing somebody in order to be a hero. You can do something that seems much smaller. You show up to a meeting and you take charge uh, <laughs> and it can... It, can end up being a heroic act and a vital act and perhaps save the life of your daughter and your grandchildren. That's a really good point. Very well said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, how about you, Rima? Well, I'm, I'm going to add to what uh, Rennie said because obviously Viserys is one of my points too. and. Man, when I tell you how hard I cried when Viserys gets out of his deathbed to come defend Rhaenyra and vouch for his grandson, uh, that long walk. I mean, when they open the doors and you and they announce King Viserys and he's entering the throne room. I mean, I I feel like that was uh, Otto's uh, crap in his pants moment there (laughs) and i loved it i thought it was (laughs) so great and all the things right his long walk um and when he says i will sit the throne today oh my gosh Mm -hmm. um he finally came came in with this demonstration of power that i've been waiting for all season um 
you know, he stumbles up the steps and when he thought it was another guard, but then it turns out to be Damon helping him. It just made, it brought the tears on even more. You know, Damon never wanted to take Viserys's place. He only wanted to be his heir. Damon's told him before, I'll protect you like no one else can. And I just wish, I mean, I think things would have went so much differently um, if maybe he had just made Damon his hand. Um, oh, agreed. Damon has always cared for his brother. It, you know, they may not have always shown it. He's been, you know, they've definitely had their differences, but Damon has always truly cared for his family and his family always meant, um, you know, a lot to him and his, and his, um, Targaryen history has always meant a lot to him, you know, and he, he truly cares for Viserys and it really comes through. And like you said, Kristen, this, that, that moment when, as Patty Considine is stumbling as he's acting and going up the stairs and he's stumbling as Viserys and the crown falls off his head. That was not scripted. It fell off as he stumbled. You know, he's, he's arched over. He's playing the part. He's sick. He's not healthy. He's, he's in extreme pain. And then um, to know that he, he comes up to do that and all that was, like I said, just, just absolute perfection. Just these two characters and actors really know each other. It was absolutely beautiful. I love that he, that Viserys came in um, to the rescue of the daughter that he loves. He loves Rhaenyra so much. It's out of the love that he had for Emma um, and why he made Rhaenyra the heir to the throne um, because he still feels that guilt of pushing Emma to continue trying to have a male heir to the throne when he, you know, he had one all along um, and, you know, feeling that guilt and out of that love, you know, um, that he has for Emma to then Rhaenyra to do what he did. And like you said, Rennie, to when we got to see the scene, there was that scene earlier that he had with Otto when they had him, uh, uh, he was naked on that table. And I don't know if they were cleaning or lancing his wounds, whatever the masons yeah. were all doing. I mean, if you didn't get a good picture of the degradation in his health um, and the extent of what he's going through and the pain that he's in, um, you know, that should, should tell you the effort that it took for him and to not be on any pain meds, you know, to do it. Cause he wanted to be clear headed. And I love that yeah. he, you know, he gives all this energy just to get to the throne, climbing those steps, but then he still had enough in him to throw some snark at why everyone was <laughs> gathered. He's like, I'm confused. Mm-hmm. Why are, why are we here talking about this? So, I mean, he, you know, poor one out for King Viserys. That was amazing. It really, sh- it really shows that if he's not drugged up on milk of the poppy, while his body has completely rejected him, his mind hasn't. He's still extremely sharp. Mm-hmm. And I did like how the adrenaline fueled his uh, his conversation. His- yeah, I, I mean, he and then when somebody said that word bastards um, and whore, like. He got that rush of adrenaline. He stood up. He he used every ounce of, of energy he had left for that meeting to just get that knife out and just be like, I am going to rip your tongue out of your throat right now. I wanted to see it happen. Personally. Oh, man. <laughs> I wish he had been in better health. I wanted to see King Viserys, like, just take his tongue right there. And that's the prophecy dagger. Yes. That he pulled. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Sure was. I love uh, it and Rima, you know that. You were talking about how um, Viserys' love for Emma is reflected in his his love for Rhaenyra. 
did you notice when he when he had taken some milk of the poppy, he called Rhaenyra his only child? Yes, mm-hmm. that was not lost on me. <laughs> I thought, oh boy, that <laughs> it's probably good that she was the only one that heard that. Well, and um, he also called out for her at the end. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Which I thought was lovely. Mm. Viserys did have a really, a really, really good um, episode there. And it wasn't even just that scene, too, right? I mean, it was the dinner scene. It was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, his death scene. It was him laying in bed and getting his people confused and, you know, sitting sitting there having, you know, his, the, whatever it was, the lancing or healing or, you know, main, maintenance of his, of his failing body on him. Um, you know, I mean, you really believe that this man was completely gone. Like his body had just utterly failed him. Um, and if, if you're done, Rima, this kind of goes into my first point as well. Yes. So one of the things that I really noticed in this episode was just um, the corruption that that the throne really is. And mm, in this episode, mm-hmm. I thought that we saw how corrupt um, the throne can make make a person. Right mm-hmm. with the series, we see his the throne has corrupted his body. It has caused his body to ultimately reject this life. You know, he gets cut on the throne frequently, but also the stress of his family being held together and not knowing which direction to go and losing his wife and running the realm and having to, you know, switch hands and then everything that was going on. I mean, the more complicated his life became and the more complicated his realm became, his body kept failing and failing and failing. And he lost control, I think, over his own body to his wife, uh, Otto, and these maesters, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not lost on any of us that they all come from the same place, right? Yeah. So, but then if you look further uh, beyond Viserys, you see that Alicent, when she feels that she is holding the power, she's running the meetings, she, um, you know, is is person in the room, um, it has a very corrupted effect on her. You know, she gets very arrogant. She gets very um, petty with, you know, the people that she wants to be petty with. And, you know, she kind of flaunts her power a little bit, kind of like Cersei Lannister when she was, when she had a talk with uh, Littlefinger and she's like, you know, talking about power with him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she's like, you know, take three steps back. No, take one step back. You know, kill him no you know what i i changed my mind don't kill him and then she looks at Littlefinger. she's like that is power and walks away it's a great cersei um moment i'm sure we all remember yeah but i see a lot of that happening in alicent this episode you know um she's been made to think that she can wear her house colors that she can redesign uh king's landing and the throne room mm. in mm-hmm. in the way that she wants yeah. you know so you see that as Viserys takes a step back, you know, not not willingly, that the throne has now started to corrupt her a little bit. 
you see um Aegon. Aegon is Oof. a little shit. I think that we can all agree that he's the worst. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and he has his own deal happening, right? I mean, he's never been asked to um be accountable for his own actions. He's never um he's never really had to learn to be a leader either, but he knows that he's going to be expected to be a leader and because of that, I think he thinks he's untouchable. Um which, you know, he's been made to think that because Alicent has cleaned up all of his messes. So you kind of see how the corruption of the crown is starting to leak in to Aegon a little bit, just in his mindset and how he's being raised and what he expects um, for him to be in the future. Um, You know, I think Otto really speaks for himself. I mean, when he was sitting on that throne, he was pretty excited that he was the guy, that he was the king. I don't think that he thought of himself as the king's hand. I think he thought of himself as the king. And um, for Viserys to take him off the throne and Otto has lost control of that situation, um, you know, that's very reminiscent of when he went to Dragonstone to try and get the egg back from Damon. And you're like, you're way out of your depth here, man. But he went, he was on a power trip mm-hmm. and he wanted to claim that power for himself. Um, and then you can even see it with Damon. You know, I'm not saying it's it's the Iron Throne, but he is, he's getting to the point where, he, or he w- was getting to the point where, you know, he thought that he could get Driftmark all sewn up because he had Otto and Alicent in his pocket, you know? And there's all these people that are just drunk with this small amount of power that they think that they wield until the real power comes in. And, you know, you see the toll that it's taken on Viserys' body and you see that, you know, it has slowly killed him over the last 20 years that we've had this season. Um, what's interesting to me is that the one person that is not corrupted by the Iron Throne or the, you know, ascension of power or, or deserving it or anything like that is Rainey's. Rainey's mm-hmm stays true to who Rainey's is. She's calm. She's cool. She sat behind all these people just like talking and spitting at each other until somebody actually noticed that she was in the room. It was Viserys. And Viserys is like, I'm pretty sure that if anybody's going to talk for Lord Corliss, it's going to be Rainey's. You know, she's like, yeah, I know. (laughs) And he had to like pick her out of the back of a crowd. Yeah. But she didn't make a big stink about it. You know, like she has made her peace with who she is and she does her duty when it's time for her to do her duty but she doesn't care either way past that and i think that that's really a beautiful quality in her that nobody else in this show seems to possess so actually um the queen that never was is my next point Oh, oh, good. So shall we just flow over into that? That Absolutely. sounds great. I do have um, more to say about Rhaenyra and this corruption thing, but that's for book talk. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, yeah, but that's for book talk, and I didn't want to, like, talk about it. I, I don't want anybody to think that I'm not, like, that I'm excusing Rhaenyra or Damon for who they are, um, but Rhaenyra's corruption is really for book talk. Okay. More to come. But please talk about Rainey's. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my point is the queen who never was is a player. So I think that she is the smartest person in the room. 
mm-hmm. and that uh, some of the way that she uh, acts on that being the smartest person in the room is sometimes she says nothing. Um, and so, and I have to, I have to shout out the writers of the show for actually giving us a scene with Rainice, Raina, and Rainira all standing there together just to twist my tongue. <laughs> yes. And all of their names were actually said during the they whole, were. you know, it was yes. amazing. <laughs> um, so Rhaenyra comes to Rhaenys, uh to ask for her support and she's not getting anywhere. So she says, all right, I'll make you an offer, the betrothal of the grandchildren, the children and the grandchildren. And Rhaenys, first of all, she knows that Rhaenyra has brought Reyna um, to, you know, as a, as a ploy to try to soften her up for this pitch. And um, so, because she hasn't seen, even though Driftmark and Dragonstone are very close together, it seems that that uh, they have not seen each other for a long time. So Rainey's had not seen her granddaughter Raina for the six years um, of the time jump. And so, you know, she knows that Rhaenyra is bringing her sight of her granddaughter she hasn't seen for a long time to soften her up. And then she makes her this pitch. And Rainey's doesn't reject it. She doesn't accept it. She just walks away and leaves it on ice. And then she looks at the way the wind is blowing in Mm -hmm. the throne room. (laughs) And, you know, I don't think that Otto was going to call upon her to speak. But I think that if Viserys had not come into the room, she would have backed Vaymond because she saw that that's the way the power was tilting. And she wants to maintain as much uh, say in matters as she can. Remember at the opening when Vaymond was making his pitch about how he should be the heir, she's sitting in the sea stone, uh, sorry, in the driftwood throne. Uh, let me back up and start over again. The too, driftwood too many, throne. Too many names. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. yes. She's sitting in the driftwood throne, mm-hmm. right? She is on a throne. There she is, the queen that never was. Yeah. Um, and Vaymond comes to her uh, almost like a supplicant, but he's insisting that he should be um, the heir. And so uh, I think she would have backed him thinking that she would have had some influence over him still if he had been the heir until Viserys walks in the room. And the minute Viserys walks into the room, I think Rhaenys is smart enough to know there's a shot of her and you see her face and you can see that thought is going on mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, behind that, mm-hmm. her expression, um, that the power has just shifted. And in that moment, she decides to back Rhaenyra to accept the betrothal to declare that uh, Jason, Luke, and Joffrey are Lenor's true-born sons and completely align herself with that side because she thinks that's where the winners are. And she is 
savvy enough to align herself with the winners. Well, she's, that she's, is a very interesting take that I did not, I didn't make that connection, but you are so, so right. Mm-hmm. I was worried. I thought I, when she had that conversation with Rhaenyra by the Godswood, I was like, oh man, I don't know which way she's going to go. <laughs> that was hard to tell. And I think you're so right that the way it played out, she, she was very observant and said, okay, this is where it's leaning. This is where I'm going. Um, yeah, very well said. So imagine had she been queen instead of Viserys being king. I'm telling how you. How differently <laughs> things would have unfolded. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we talked about that very early on. Like, man, she would have definitely been, I think, I mean, and I know I'm giving all the love to Viserys in this episode because he deserves all the love for, for finally stepping up and doing what should have been done. Unfortunately, a long long time ago showing that assertiveness and putting his foot down and telling everyone to shut up this is how it is um but i think she would have been a better ruler if jaharis would have just named her his heir instead of leaving it up to the council it would have been a much different story um yes 100 percent, 100 percent. everything could have just been so different with just one one thing that happened different you know in that in that little scene and then the show does something very interesting which is it does not put her in the the banquet uh she's mm, yeah. keeping vigil with Vaman's body and so she's not there to be part of that infighting that happens uh <clears throat> the the reconciliations and the infighting that happens so she doesn't need to declare any further allegiances there because she's she's off making her peace perhaps because uh the price of what she's done is backing the lie about the parentage of Rhaenyra's sons so i have a question mm -hmm. about this because you know we all talk about the fact that you know this big thing with the the Luke and Jace are bastards. They're not true-born sons. They're, you know, they're illegitimate. Okay, well, back, back in Game of Thrones, and I'm taking it that as canon, right, to kind of what's going on here. Um, Gendry and Ramsay and, yeah, Gendry and Ramsay, Ramsay Snow, they were legitimized, even though they were bastards. They were legitimized. Mm -hmm. So. If the king has has called Jace and Luke trueborn sons, and Corlys has called them trueborn sons, and Lenor has called them trueborn sons, then no matter what they look like, they've been legitimized. Am I am I totally off base here? I, well, they've been acknowledged, which isn't the same thing as being legitimized, right? Like um, a known bastard being legitimized, that's right. right? There's a I guess a bit of a difference there, but I I see what you're saying, Kristen, and I agree too. I feel like if the king, Lenor, uh, and Corlys have all stepped up and said they are trueborn, you know, my trueborn grandsons, uh, my trueborn sons, what have you, then that should be enough. I mean, we had this 
in Game of Thrones with uh, Joffrey and Tommen and mm-hmm. um, oh shoot, oh shoot, it's been Marcella. Thank you, Marcella. Yeah, Marcella, you're welcome. Yes. Oh my goodness, it's been a hot minute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been a while. Um, I haven't but, gone back to tell you the truth. <laughs> I tried, and I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I haven't watched it since um, the finale aired. I, I haven't been ready yet, but maybe after uh, House of the Dragon. But um, anyway, you know, I don't know that it was as as not really known. We know Ned knew. But I feel like lots of people knew it was kind of an open secret between Jamie and Cersei and very clear with their blonde hair versus Robert's black hair. Um, no one just dared to say anything. And I think maybe because Robert was a stronger king than Viserys, maybe that who would dare mm. say anything while Robert was king. Uh, and especially Cersei, too, because she was certainly um, formidable in her own way. Um, and then, of course, Jamie. Yeah, they could have been a real power couple. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like, you know, now, of course, her and Robert were, you know, um, I don't know, maybe it was different because he was king and they were they were married. I don't know. But, you know, I feel like that's kind of the same thing. And and Robert was like, these are my children. You know, whether or not I don't know if we ever really did we ever get anything from Robert that he's like, no, he never really questioned. Right. So he never questioned it. No, but it was no, he he was pretty sure that uh he uh the seed was strong with him <laughs> right <laughs> and, just and remember Cersei's best efforts to make sure she didn't have any of his children i believe but um and i don't think that it was uh widely known that Cersei's children were bastards because when um Ned Stark is going through that book that's the lineage of the Baratheon family mm-hmm. and he keeps reading black of hair black of hair mm-hmm. that's what leads him to the realization and then he uh discovers that that is the same secret that the previous hand um Lord Aaron mm-hmm. had discovered oh, yeah. and that's why he was killed why he was killed so I don't think that it was something that was gossiped about it was a deep deep secret Mm-hmm. Unlike this one, but the parallel, of course, is that Gendry and um, uh, John Snow and Ramsay oh, Snow, yeah. right. uh, those bastards who are legitimized, um, are the sons of a lord or a king or a prince and some woman. They're not the sons of the queen or the princess. And so a, a, a royal woman having a child that is not her husband's is actually treason. Whereas right. a man having a bastard with some other woman than his wife isn't treason. So that's mm-hmm. part of the Friggin the patriarchy. horror of patriarchy. <laughs> That's I right. love the double standard. Yeah, like y'all can go have all the bastards you want, and sure, if we, if you want to legitimize them in some way, but if a woman does it, it's treason. I mean, they're still Targaryens, you know. Um, they they at least yes, have they are the tie to you know the throne. If you want to argue mm-hmm. their um, bloodline to House Valerian and Driftmark. 
I'm not saying I side with Vaymond in any way, but you know, they, you know, you to to say that they aren't heirs to the throne if, you know, you can question their legitimacy, but again, I say if the king says it, Lenor says it, um and they are Targaryens as much as what mm-hmm. Rhaenyra is a Targaryen, then they they are heirs to the throne. Yeah, I mean, I I just, and this is my modern Western way of thinking, right? But yeah, I mean, we have too. so many families that, you know, I, I touched on this a little bit um, on Facebook earlier today. Um, there are so many families that, you know, that can't have kids. So they have them through surrogates, they have them through adoption, they have them through, you know, sperm donors or whatnot. And I feel like this is, this is that, you know, Lenor couldn't do it. He couldn't. Yeah. You know, they, this was not a marriage. Uh, Rhaenyra and Lenor cared for each other, but, you know, there was just no way that they were going to be able to have kids. Lenor just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So Rhaenyra made sure to make, have it happen, I guess. I mean, there's really not much that you could say, you know, in Lenor was just as, as in the wrong as Rhaenyra right. was, right? Um, yeah. And Lenor treated those boys as his family. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could see that there was a love between all of them um, when the whole family was together, including Harwin. Yeah. You know, it just baffles me that, you know, it's just like, listen, they're they're my family because I said that they're my family. Now get out of here, you know? Yeah. Stop. It's just, um, <laughs> yeah. And, and I 100% agree with you. Uh, it's just looking at it through the modern lens is is mm-hmm. you know what doesn't apply here and and I hate that because i it's hard for me to t- like not think of it that way because that's just how I view things too. It's like it doesn't make them any less your children if you like you said, have them through a surrogate or a sperm mm-hmm. donor or if you're unable to have children and you adopt a child. You know, it doesn't make them any less your your child. They are your child. Um, blood doesn't make a family. Um, so, and yeah, I mean, it sounds like they tried um, Lenor and Rhaenyra. And mm-hmm. what what would it have been had he had they tried and he just for some reason was infertile himself? Right. right. And it, so this is why I like visiting fantasy realms, but I wouldn't want to live there. <laughs> No, thank you. <laughs> it's a good, good argument. Yeah, it's it's just hard to I mean, not think of it through modern modern times. But I have to keep trying to remind myself that's not how the world works in Westeros. Right. But it is interesting in how they are using modern themes. Yeah, and a yes. lot of modern, you know, modern thinking. I mean, Rhaenyra is an ally, right? Uh huh. Um, mm-hmm. and we've got Viserys, who is a progressive. Who is you know named his daughter and heir? Yeah, rock the boat, you know? rock tradition. Yeah, exactly. So it's just interesting because there are all of these modern themes um, that are so relevant today that are being interwoven in this story, but we still have to like check ourselves. You know, it's like we still have to to be like, oh no, but we are still women in this world. So let's just back up and, Ugh, <laughs> and take it from that. Jeez. It's just and and Rhaenyra is such a Rhaenys. I did it. Rainies <laughs> is such a stark contrast to, um, to Rhaenyra. 
you know, because Rainey's is just sitting back there, as you said, Rennie, um, waiting for the chips to fall to see which side she's going to kind of blow over to because she's been playing this game in the background as a silent observer for her entire life. And Rainier is just kind of crashing through it with a machete in the thick wilderness, just <laughs> trying to see the end of her toes, you know, like it's just such a difference between the two of them. It's interesting. That was an awesome metaphor. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I I might have tripped through the woods this weekend with a machete myself. So nice. Okay. Badass. Um, mm. <laughs> well, my, my next point is uh, kind of touching on Rhaenyra and kind of alluding to what you were talking about, Kristen, as far as uh, progressiveness and how there's, there is a little bit of, I feel like you said, a little sprinkling of some modern themes that we're getting in this fantasy world and medieval world. And um, mm -hmm. because with Rhaenyra, and I want to talk specifically in the scene with her father, oh gosh, those, the moment she had with Viserys was so touching. I mean, I, I feel like anyone who's been through a loss of a loved one and when you've got someone who's who has like a terminal illness and going through um, something like this, this had to really just kind of probably really trigger something in, in a lot of folks, um, what Rhaenyra and Damon were going through. But those moments that Rhaenyra had with her father, when she introduced him to her children that he hadn't met yet because they had been on Dragonstone mm. and they've been gone for six years. And I, I, you know, just so everyone knows, and and Renny, I think you mentioned it's a six year time jump. Just in case anyone didn't know or didn't didn't <laughs> yeah. see it or recognize it, we've jumped ahead another six years. I think it's for the last time. If everyone's feeling a little, you know, um, seasick, if you will, or you know, emotion sick, like we're going through the time warp. You know, like every every episode should start off with "Let's do the time warp." Again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, another six year time jump, but. This moment. This is the last one. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was the last one, if I'm hearing correctly. It should be... Famous last words. You know? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> well, there may be time jumps of uh, a period of months, but there shouldn't right. be time jumps of periods of years. And the actors that we have are the actors we should stay with now. That's that's That was my understanding. So at least, you know, we can get comfortable and kind of settled at least with the actors that we have as far as the ages that they are. So at least we can maybe settle just a little bit. Um, but the, the scene with Rhaenyra when they had, when they arrived and she introduces uh, Viserys to her two children that he hasn't met yet. Um, I thought was so beautiful and to see Viserys light up meeting her children and then of course uh lighting up when he meets Viserys his namesake um was such a beautiful moment and and then when you see Rhaenyra's other boys which we met them when they were younger uh and now they're young men teenagers and it really shows these differences between uh Rhaenyra's children and Allison's children and when you look at the family dynamics really does appear that Rhaenyra and Damon have done a great job of having this blended family. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love. Um, Cause there's a, a little sprinkling, I think of, of a modern element there. We know Bela has been with Rainey's on Driftmark that she's her ward and 
she's taken her and I love that because I feel like that was really good for Rainey's, especially considering she lost Lena and then soon so soon after Lenore and then it sounds like Corley's uh ran off to battle so sounds like she's had you know time to herself so I'm sure that's really brought her some comfort having Bela with her um but they've had Reyna and then uh, Rhaenyra's three boys and then they've started to have children of their own and to see how they've blended this family and how Damon has really it looks like become a a real father figure to those boys and that he really Mm -hmm. seems to care for them and the difference between how Alicent has raised her children to be menaces to society um, Mm -hmm. but Rhaenyra raised her son to be a king and you can see the differences in the behavior when during the dinner when Aegon kept coming at Jace and kept poking and prodding and just would not stop. God, I just want to punch him in his face. Um, (laughs) And Jace kept rising above. And then the way that he got up and danced with Helena, um, when we see him working hard to learn uh, High Valerian to honor his Targaryen traditions, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of preparing himself to, you know, as the heir to the throne and being a king, he's taking it very seriously. He's kind of being hard on himself for not picking up on it a little bit, you know, sooner. And Rhaenyra's trying to, it's okay, you know, you don't have to learn it all in a day. Um, just seeing the differences uh, between the two, um, I thought was really great. And then, of course, Rhaenyra's moments with her father just, you know, were, were very teary-eyed and kind of seeing those differences, um, I thought were great. Did you notice that, um, I noticed this big time in both of my watches, that Rhaenyra, like Rhaenyra now, looked almost identical to Rhaenyra Young? Yes. Yes. There there was softer features and the hair was down and like they, they, you could have put a side by side on them and said, yep, that's exactly how she's going to look when she gets older. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, I just I really really noticed. I think it was like um, the vulnerability in Rhaenyra. Yeah, um, seeing her father like that and having to fight for her children and what she thought was alone, and you know trying to talk to everybody. I just saw that she she's usually such a strong character, but she really I mean that her her vulnerability, especially this week, was intense. Yes. I I think especially in this episode, maybe because her Viserys is dying, and mm-hmm. I think that kind of that vulnerability made her seem like a little girl again, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think that maybe it was done on purpose. I don't know. I didn't read um, a whole lot of articles and behind the scenes stuff if that was on purpose. But I I agree with you. I think it. She definitely had a more softness um, and vulnerability to her. And I'm sure it had a lot to do with Viserys' health and her pleading with him. And, you know, um, there was a softness to her. And they did um, purposely cast Millie Alcock um, because she looked very much identical to Emma Darcy as a young, young girl. They're both killing it. So, my gosh. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, um, anything else um, on that, Rima? Nope, not for the moment. Okay. Is it 
Is it my turn? It's you, you? Kristen. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, there's like a lot that I want to talk about. I know that all three of us are going to have a nice long discussion about Allison a little later. <laughs> so, so much. I'm just going <laughs> to leave that to the side. Um, <laughs> um, I want to talk about, I have all these notes and I'm trying to like see which one I want to do. Um, so let's, let's talk about these boys, these, these Hightower boys, Aegon and Amond. Um, Amond, I can tell, is going to be a fantastic character. <laughs> the problem is he looks 30. <laughs> I know. Interesting and choice <laughs> in casting. Da Damon's mini-me. Mm-hmm. So that actor is uh, Ewan Mitchell is his name. He was in The Last Kingdom. And okay. he, uh -huh. he played a character named Osfrith in The Last Kingdom, who was a sweet, affable guy who everybody just wanted to protect and take care of. And oh, no. so... I at first I had a little bit of trouble wrapping my head around him as Eamon, but he he's so perfect. I don't care that he's taller than everybody else and that he's <laughs> right. at least ten years younger, uh, ten years older than his older brother. He, <laughs> uh, yeah, he he sold me. He's fantastic. I completely agree with you. I think that he's doing. Uh, he. He really like it's kind of like you're right. It's it's kind of like Damon. Like the first time we see Damon, you get a good idea about this character, and he is going to be a force to be reckoned with. And you get that same feeling from Aemond. If you haven't even if you haven't read the books, if you know nothing else other than what you've seen, he just he shows up. He's fighting against you know a what is that a ball and chain or whatever it's called a mace. Um, um yeah, yeah that was cool. Uh, it's, ca mm -hmm. it's called a morning star. A mace? A, a mace or a morning star. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So he's... I didn't know that. Okay. Um, so he's fighting Chris and Cole against that ball and chain mace morning star. And, um, you know, not only does he handily, um, you know, fight him off, but then at the end, he's like, I don't care about tourneys. And then he's like, nephews, you here to train? Like, he's just this <laughs> singular... He knew exactly where they were. He knew that they were mm -hmm. there. Like, this man's got one eye. You know, he's very silent, but... um, But he's scary. Like, you, he's his one eye is very wild, very intense, you know? Mm -hmm. um, you really don't know what's going to come of him. And, and I dig that and I'm fearful of it all at the same time. <laughs> um, whereas in stark contrast, you have Aegon, who is, as far as Alicent is concerned, going to be the next king. And he is a freaking disaster. He is a human disaster. Mm -hmm. And they're both these products of a loveless mother and father. You know, they've kind of been let loose to just do whatever they please. And you can see that, like, they're both extremely terrible people. But they terrible, could have been good. Terrible people. They could have been good, right? I mean, if they were raised with some love and some attention, maybe? No? 
I don't know if Aegon. I don't know. I I I don't know if they're. I don't know. I feel the way Alicent has raised him and poisoned him. It's it's a whole, and it's everyone. It's 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 no secret. I am Team Black, but I am not blind to everyone's faults. No one is perfect, and everybody does terrible things. Um, however, I really think Alicent has, with all of this generational trauma, has really poisoned Aegon, and I mm-hmm. I really do blame her for a lot of how he's turned out. Although I've I've seen really great people, really great parents whose children have turned into shit, and there's like no explanation because mm-hmm. you're like, how did that happen? These are really great people, great parents, and so I I don't know, but I I'm, I'm blaming Allison here. <laughs> This one, you know, and by extension, Otto, right? For sure. Yes. Yeah. Otto has no love really for his daughter other than using her as a pawn for power Mm -hmm. and ambition, you know, his own ambition, much like Corliss did with his son, uh, Lenor, right? Um, But Allison was a very young girl when she was married. um, And, you know, then she became a mom very young and maybe nobody taught her to be a mom maybe all the like nurses and stuff or the you know wet nurses and ladies in waiting or whatever just kind of took them away um took took the babies away and she just like never really had to develop a motherly instinct and now she's just paying for it because i mean her icy line also when she's like you are no son of mine and it's weird because Aegon did not care at all about this poor girl, Diana, um, Mm-mm. until she said, until Allison was like, you're no son of mine. You know, you're trash to me or you're nothing, whatever. And then he's like, oh, but I always try to do so good, but nothing's ever good enough. And you're like, no, no, shh, be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the interesting thing is that Otto has been there. Otto is these boys' grandfather. Otto mm-hmm. wants Aegon to be king. You would think that Otto would have stepped in and served as some sort of father figure to Aegon and Aemond, uh, since Viserys wasn't really capable of doing that, to make sure that they were king material. And mm-hmm. he didn't do that. Right. And on, uh, well, I agree. Well, and because that's what he wants. I, I, I don't think, I know that that's what Allison has been trying to do. And I know that's what Otto wants. I don't see Viserys training him to be king um, because he's not the heir. However, he should at least still, he is still a Targaryen. He is still a prince of the realm and should be um, upheld as such. Right. And, made to exude a certain um you know figure at court and for the realm to 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 you know do for the realm to serve the realm even if he's not well, he the should true have heir. at least been a cupbearer don't you think yeah yeah if he yeah well, and, absolutely you know in this pseudo medieval kind of setting there's this concept of an heir the heir and a spare yeah because mm. you never know when your heir might die of a disease or in a battle or to Harris you know, and Alison's children. Yes. Yeah, all to Harris and Alison's children's terrible fates, right? Yeah. Uh and so even if you are 
a second son like Damon was, or a, a first son, but not the heir like Aegon is, uh, your family should be raising you with the possibility mm-hmm. that if your elder sibling dies and does not become monarch, that you would be ready to step in and do it. And later later in the timeline of the Targaryen family, we have a king called Aegon the Unlikely, who's called that because he's the fourth son of a fourth son. And so no one would have thought that he would end up being king, but everybody in line before him died. So he did end up being king. And that's, you know, at the forefront of everybody's mind. So it, it would make sense for Viserys to... You're right. Coach him as the spare, not the heir, but the spare. Yep, that's that's a good point. I, f- I totally forgot thinking about, like you said, the heir and the spare and considering the times that, that they do live in. And now that I'm thinking about like Jaehaerys' children and out of the 14, how many, I don't think this is spoilery since this all happens before, it's just history. Um, but, you know, knowing how he outlived because he, he lived too long and ruled too long. He outlived all of his heirs. <laughs> um, and and yeah, you just don't know in these times with because there's no modern medicine. There could be a war. Uh, there could be so many things that can happen. Right. And and yeah, you're right. It's Rainier is the heir. However, they should be raising all of their children at one time or another for the potential of needing to step up if something happened to Rhaenyra. Um, so, yep, I'm, I stand corrected. So let me ask you both a question then. Um, would you consider Aegon then, since Rhaenyra has been named the heir, would you consider Aegon to be a second son? Yes. Freaking second son syndrome on this show. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we would, on at face value, you would say Aemond is the second son, right? But really... It's Aegon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's an interesting way to co- also look at that because you see all the second sons in this <laughs> entire show. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, there's really, there's something, there, 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 I think there's a podcast episode in there to just compare and contrast all of the second sons. <laughs> the second sons. <laughs> yeah. Second sons. Well, you know, there's an... In- an, an entire uh, sellsword company called the Second Sons. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. Dario. Dar- Dario. I miss you. Dario. I miss you, Dario, so much. <laughs> All the time. He knew his place, damn it. Yeah. Yes, he did. <laughs> he knew he his totally place. He totally did. Oh. Yes, unlike um, Kristen to- Cole, he was perfectly willing to just be the boy toy. Yeah. He's like, right? it's fine. Well, Do your I mean, duty. It's all good. Kristen Cole and Alice at Hightower, man, those two ruined everything. <laughs> Although I, I, I put all the blame on Otto. Yes, that's a perfect place to I, put it. Yeah, Otto, and I, I have to. Oh, I hate to, but Viserys too. He, he's got to take some. Oh, yeah. You know, he, I, yeah. He really should have been more firm um, as king. And I, I think it would have made a bit of a difference. But yeah, Otto for sure. Mm-hmm. Bad dude. So, um, you know, we have we have Aegon and Aemond. And then we have our sweet little Helena who just wants mm-hmm. to dance. Mm-hmm. And I just love her so much. I don't know if you saw, but during uh during the throne room scene when Damon just the the peach of a human that he is 
slices off Vaman's head. Um, everybody like gasps, and then Helena puts her hands over her ears. Yeah. And I just that I thought that was so cute because it's like she kind of didn't know what to do, but at the same time, you know, as somebody who has had a lot of prophecy, um, just musings and the things that she says, you know, have really come to pass. I'm wondering, like, what does she hear? You right. Know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, is she hearing something that we're not really privy to? Um, you know, was there something else that was happening with her? Or is she just kind of like a simple-minded, you know, girl? And she, you know, put her hands on her ears because she didn't know <laughs> that she should have maybe done it on her eyes or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but... I'm I'm calling on all members of Team Black um to to can we please save Helena? Can we <laughs> can we rescue her please? She let's, does let's... not belong on that side. <laughs> yes. She's like the uh, they need to they need to kidnap her. Yes. And take her to Dragonstone. Mm-hmm. Yes. She's too too sweet for this world and uh I I really like her. Um she was really funny at the I don't I know she didn't mean to be, but she was funny at the dinner. Um when she was Well and she clearly likes she clearly likes her Valerian nephews better than she likes her brother, husband, and other brother. So yeah. she might be happy to be with them. Yeah, no kidding. But you know, did you notice that Otto do you think Otto was like encouraging her? Like he's a doting grandfather for her, but or was he just kind of like clapping at what she said, like sarcastically or condescendingly? That's a great question. Of all the characters at the at the banquet, Otto was the one that I have the least read on because he didn't look unhappy. And I thought that he should have not been happy about all this. Um peace, love, and understanding that was going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a hard one to read. I don't, it was, it wasn't explicit, but it felt like when, Al, I think it was when Allison was toasting Rhaenyra and said that she would be a good queen and everyone was toasting to her and took a drink. I don't think Otto, I think Otto was the one that didn't. Um, it was hard to tell. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, but I think he, yeah, he did not, and he was hard to read. I, I was like, I don't know where, I don't know what you're doing there, Otto. I can't quite figure out what your what your game is during this. I don't know if he's just placating because the king was there. Um, mm, mm-hmm. So it's true. Yeah. Okay. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office, more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, little. 
Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, I think we're back to the top with Rennie. All right. Uh, my third point is prophecies are a double-edged sword. Mm, that yeah. is something that George R.R. R. Martin said. And uh, Tyrion Lannister says, prophecy is like a half-trained mule. It looks as though it might be useful, but the moment you trust in it, it kicks you in the head. That's really Which good. is exactly <laughs> what happens when Viserys is actually saying his last words to Alicent because he thinks he's speaking to Rhaenyra mm-hmm. and he talks about the prophecy and the prince that he says Aegon, meaning Aegon's prophecy, Aegon the Conqueror's prophecy, but mm-hmm. Alicent thinks he means Aegon, their son. And it says the prince that was promised, it is you. And he's saying that to Rhaenyra. Yeah. But Alicent thinks that he's saying to her, it is you. You must unite the realm. And Alicent fills in by making our son Aegon king. Mm. And, and she jumps up and she says, I will do it. <laughs> oh, and yeah. so the prophecy has backfired. It has created... A terrible situation because they they tease us with this Alicent and Rhaenyra scene where Rhaenyra says, I'll come back. I'll fly back on my dragon. And Alicent mm-hmm. says, your father and I would welcome that. And it seems that for this moment, there may be a possibility of peace between Alicent and Rhaenyra. Mm-hmm. Alicent has said, you will make a fine queen. And I read her as sincere when she says that. I do too. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I did too. Otto would have let her follow through with that, but she seems sincere in that moment. Yeah. And then all of that is swept away when she hears what Viserys is saying, thinking he's speaking to Rhaenyra. And that sets her on a different, or confirms her on a different path than the one she might have gone down. So the prophecy is part of what is creating this conflict, which is not what it was intended to do. It has, like the mule, kicked Viserys in the head. Uh, So I thought that was just a fascinating twist. Yes. And then Viserys' last, very last words, I couldn't make out what he said until my second watch, which I did with the subtitles on. He said, my love. Mm-hmm. And I think that was addressed to Emma. I, yes. yes, I agree. 100%. So Alicent was completely out. I mean, he was completely unaware that Alicent was even there. She was not on his mind. Mm-mm. She was not in his world at that point. And he kind of spilled the beans <laughs> thinking that he was talking to somebody else. So classic, it's a classic tragic setup uh, of a misunderstood message or a misdirected message. 
Yes. Yeah. And that's the second time that he's done that with Alicent. Um, maybe not dealing with the prophecy, but when he was having, when he was kind of wavering, um, what was it? A few episodes ago, it was At the funeral. The first when he time called her. Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to bed, Emma. Come. I'm going to bed, Emma. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I meant even before that when oh. it was still um, our first Alicent and um, and forget where they were, but he had started to kind of waver a little bit on whether or not he was right to name Rhaenyra his heir. And oh, yes. that kind of changed everything for Alicent from then on because she thought that he was she was doing the will of of Viserys. Um, I think that that gave her it, not that she was doing the will of it, but it justified her actions in her mind mm-hmm. from then on, right? And then now here we are to you know fast forward to his death, and you have the same thing that's going on where he's he's thinks rather than he thinks he's like you know talking to his wife who's supposed to be like his confidant he's um he thinks he's talking to Rhaenyra and really it 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 baffles me that he wouldn't at least tell one other person about this prophecy about this dream and why do more people not know about this why is it that (laughs) this prophecy has to die with one person each each generation like i mean it makes no sense to me well it's it's i mean it's not in the book and so what they did here in the show and i guess i don't know if it's spoiler to say that or not shoot i might have spilled the beans there um but they because it's not and they've introduced it only in the show. We don't really have any context other than what they're telling us in the show. And it seems seems like it's just That's strictly right. passed from heir to heir only, from Aegon and then down, which leaves a little bit of, you know, when you look at uh, the, the kings that we've had since Aegon, you're kind of like, well, how did this one get that information when you look at some of the circumstances of how this one became the heir and how some of them died and so on, which mm-hmm. I won't get into, but we we don't know. It's it's just from heir to heir. So Viserys mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to tell anyone except for his heir, which in this case was Rhaenyra. It's just something. Do I you guess think that? Out. Do you think that Rhaenyra will now tell Jace? I don't know. It's. I don't have any context for it, but I would assume she would. Right. <laughs> I would maybe maybe mm-hmm. with what's with what's to come. Um, maybe she will. I don't know. Hmm. Well, I hope she tells someone. Yeah, that was a a heartbreaking scene because, and that's you know, and I think that's who. Viserys thought he was talking to there well with Allison not there at the end I do think he was uh, when he was alone in I think he was talking to Emma but when Allison was there I think he thought that it was mm-hmm. Rhaenyra uh, because she yeah. had been pleading with him which was so heartbreaking uh, you know and she's pleading with him like you know be, I, I need you to be there for me and I need you to tell me that this is what I'm supposed to be doing because I don't think Rhaenyra wanted to be the heir I think she was pretty content to be on Dragonstone, being with her children, being with Damon and living her life. She had a good, you know, you can have a good life being a member of the royal family without having to be heir to the throne. 
And I think she was wavering in that moment. And Viserys was still pretty out of it, I think, in that moment, mm-hmm. wasn't quite able to communicate very well with her. And he picks up that conversation where they left off, um, you know, to tell her that she does have to do it. And he thinks he's telling her. And in the end, she's, he's mm-hmm. saying that to Alicent, which oh, changes things. Mm-hmm. Changes everything. Yeah. And as it's happening, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I know. And, and that's... Stop it. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. You just want to, oh, well, the series, please. You know, I mean, you, you, it's hard to be, you can't really be mad at him. He's so, um, d- drugged up and in so much pain and just doesn't know. Um, and his mind is probably also with whatever illness he has, probably partially gone to maybe. Um, but, I, I know Allison hearing this prophecy was was my next point. I, I want to be really careful because I don't want to talk any book spoilers or anything. So I know we probably will mm-hmm. talk about it in book talk. So I want to be really careful. But um, Allison hearing what she did from Viserys before he died do, does not change, I think, what happens next. She heard what she wanted to hear. Uh, she True. Yeah. She, oh, yeah. She heard Aegon. She assumes her son. That is what mm-hmm. she wanted to hear. Listen, Allison is not stupid. So any anyone that thinks otherwise, Al- Allison is not stupid. She hears Prince that was promised. She assumes her son. Again, it's what she wants to hear. There has been bad blood within this family for the last 15 to 20 years. And all that is passed down from, from those generations is, is, is the cause of what happens next. That is why what's going to happen next was going to happen regardless of what Allison heard. She just heard what she wanted to hear. I don't want to simplify the events that are to come based on Allison's misunderstanding of what she heard. The conflict is because the patriarchy exists. The series broke the custom, not law. He broke custom by naming Rhaenyra his heir. The series changed their culture, and that is the conflict. Mhm. Yeah, so that's an uh, that's a uh, an interesting question. So Vaymond um it, it takes the extreme interpretation of the Great Council of 101 that by dismissing Rhaenys as a candidate because she's female that 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 extends to always and for all time, no woman can ever sit the Iron Throne. And in addition to that, that the throne cannot pass through a woman to her children, that it has to pass through the male line. Right. The Great Council did not explicitly state that, but that is the self-serving interpretation that some lords follow. Mm-hmm. I knew you'd have a good good explanation for that <laughs> <Be very clear>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah because i think there's misunderstanding there and i think that because what we saw there at at that banquet where it seemed like the olive branches were extended and maybe there was going to be some peace and allison you know being like okay this this is you know, I think you're going to be a good queen and, you know, they're putting on this show 
for Viserys. Um, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, all of a sudden she changes her mind because she hears Aegon is, you know, the prince that was promised. And now she, she heard what she wanted to hear. Um, and I just, I, I, I think it's, again, I'm going to shut up because it's going to, we'll talk about it in book talk. But I just wanted to kind of mm-hmm. make that point. So, yeah, I, I think it's a really good point too. So I'm excited to expand on that a little bit in book talk, because again, it can get a little, uh, a little, (laughs) just, just a little too booky. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I I have, for for lack of a better word. I like it. I like it. Um, but anyway, that was, that was my point kind of going into what, what Rennie said. So Kristen, did you have another point? You know what? I just wanted to honestly. I really wanted to just talk about the most intense family dinner of the night, mm. <laughs> for sure. Um, you know, I do have one thing that I want to talk about later in book talk because it and it was the comment that Helena made uh, at the dinner table. I think that that should be tabled, <laughs> tabled uh, for book talk. <laughs> but um, you know, I loved this family dinner so much because. How many Thanksgiving dinners has anybody been to in their life <laughs> where you just want to die the whole time that you're there? You're like, why am I with these people? Yeah. Stakes not quite as high, and, but yeah, definitely some awkwardness <laughs> shared. Right. I, but it had that whole feeling of of the awkward Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Right. Where and you know, for people that are not in America, um, you know, I'm sure you you know what our American Thanksgiving is like, but any holiday family dinner. Um, and it's just so funny to me because you have, you know, the step the stepmother and the stepdaughter who are like barely looking at each other. And you have these kids who have heard the adults in their lives talk about the other kids and the other family members. And they're just like going, they're just, you know, acting accordingly to where they see is appropriate from their family. And then, you know, you have like the silent, weird uncle in the corner in Otto Hightower, who's just kind of like drinking and watching everything happen. And it's, it's just, it sets this, the mood of this is just so tense in the very beginning. And it's so strange to me how it just goes up and down and up and it flows into this like, tense and then relaxed and then tensed and then relaxed and then at the very end everything just goes wrong because a pig is brought out to the table and <laughs> yeah <laughs> and oh Eamon can't handle it he's so fragile you know I, the actor is amazing I think perfect to play the character of Eamon but in my opinion as tough as he is as he portrays himself you know, fighting in the yard. He gets to ride the biggest dragon in Westeros. Mm. His bravado is just a facade for his fragile ego. Dude was triggered when they set that pig down and Luke snickered about it. <laughs> and I still, I see, and my thing was, I saw Luke kind of laughing like, oh, remember when that happened? Like, almost like nervous laughter or something. I didn't see it as mean, but I, I'm probably wrong because I want to believe the best in children. Well, I think I think you could maybe take it either way. And that's what's great is about perception, right? Everyone's probably got a little bit mm-hmm. of a different perspective. I don't think you're wrong in that. I, I would like to think better of Luke because I feel like they're probably better acting children <laughs> than Haymond and Aegon. But yeah, you're probably right. 
Um, so I, I just, um, you know, I, I very much thought, I don't think that it was pomp and circumstance or, you know, I don't think that Alyssa and Rhaenyra were saying anything that wasn't sincere. Um, I think that Viserys standing up, taking his mask off and talking to his family in the kind of decrepit way that he was to just show what this family strife has really done to him physically um, was very striking. I'm not sure if it had much of an effect on the children, but I think it did have an effect on Rhaenyra and Alicent, and maybe that was the intent of Viserys. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he strips himself down and he says, don't, if, if you're not going to do this for your king, please do this for your father, your husband, your grandsire. Do this for the man that I am and what I mean to you, you know? And yeah. for half of that table, I really think that that strikes a chord in them. But I'm not sure that Aegon and Aemond and even maybe even Helena really feel that much of a parental bond with the series. And so I'm not sure if mm. that had the intended effect on the three of them, which is why, you know, Eamon was so ready to, you know, stop all the niceties and, you know, call them strong boys. Um, so so it, it, you really see kind of, again, you see the two families and just how completely different and how far apart they are. And when everybody's brought to the table, there is a want by the older generation to put it all back together. But I think that the the damage is just, it's too little too late. This is a conversation in a dinner that should have happened 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Oh, totally. Um, yeah, this was a day late and a dollar short. And, mm -hmm. and I feel like the attitudes, what you were talking about with Aegon and Aemond and Helena, she's an odd girl at the moment. I haven't, I haven't quite put my finger on her yet and to see if she's kind of simple or just innocent. I haven't quite figured it out. But um, either way, the, the two boys, uh, I feel like a lot of that, again, I'm going to start blaming Allison here. Sound like a broken record, but... I feel like that started a long time ago. We saw little sprinkles of how she very much just didn't quite respect um, a lot of what Viserys would say. She would overrule him a lot. And I think that she kind of put that seed into the boys too. And I think that it, it shows here that they don't really, what he's saying doesn't really have an effect on them because they don't respect him. And that comes from Allison. I don't think that she mm -hmm. she guided them enough and i think he's probably in, been in some poor health maybe he hasn't been able to spend the time with him or time with his children you know that he maybe would have wanted to um had he been in better health but i i think a lot of that is is allison and maybe Otto too i think that they're you know they're, they they would probably listen to them maybe but i don't know that they would that anything that the series would say would strike a chord with them like it's meant to right right yeah, I, I I agree with that. With that, um, one of my favorite lines uh, was something that I didn't catch until the second watch. Uh, when Amond said to um, Aegon, "You drink more than a bra a bravosi sea lord." <laughs> um, 
<laughs> and Aegon was just like, I drink, I drink just the right amount, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I just mm, that that dinner scene was an interesting one for sure. I loved the dancing. I loved uh I love the reconciliation and then of course you kind of saw it break apart at the end and i think that that's really uh that's really a nod to the fact that it it's all broken all of it no matter what they do it's not gonna it's not gonna get fixed it's always gonna be broken and you see that happening at the end of this dinner you see that happening at the end of this episode uh you see that happening in the trailer for next week you just know that things are just not going to be all hunky-dory well, and, and it was just all the more heartbreaking, you know, Viserys. I think it took me a minute to understand Viserys' feelings at that table as everyone, as he's watching everyone and everyone is, like I said, there, there's dancing, there's uh, conversation, there's laugh, laughter, and looks like a good camaraderie. Looks like maybe mm -hmm. what he said to them struck that chord and now, oh, look, everyone's getting along when I think really he's looking around and he all these feelings that he's having is more of it's too late look 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 yeah. what i've done or maybe look what i haven't done and what i should have done sooner was to try to get the family together and he knows that it's too mm -hmm. late and i think that he knows that what he's seeing isn't real and it's too late and he's in despair i think in um in those final moments before he's carried away it was so heartbreaking. My my heart just just broke all over for Viserys in this whole episode. Hmm. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. Um. So I think that does anybody have any other points before we move into Alicent? No, I have a few notes here and there, but I think I think I'm ready to dig in. <laughs> All right, yes. let's do this. Yes. So earlier today, I was on um, Facebook, and I'm never on Facebook, so this was very exciting for me to be on Facebook. <laughs> um, and I saw that one of our, one of the listeners, um, Kiho Puthia, she had um, kind of a long uh, post to say about, about Alicent, um, and I'm trying to see where it is. I'm sorry. Um, so she is very much, um, you know, as she says, team Allison or team green. Um, and she was, she's really surprised that none of us are team green or team Allison. And she's not a book reader. So I do know that that probably has a lot to do with it, but maybe not. Um, you know, and she gives, she gives reasonings that, you know, Allison followed her duty and her loyalty and her virtue um you know there's she thinks she's done everything right um Allison thinks that she's done everything right that she was supposed to do and she sees Rhaenyra as kind of the spoiled brat that does whatever she wants and doesn't get hold accountable for that and so there were a lot of comments underneath it um and I thought that it was a really good discussion so I thought it would be good for us to have kind of a discussion about Allison because I think that we're at a time where Allison in my mind, doesn't have a lot of redeeming qualities, but I see that 
she does have redeeming qualities to other people. And I respect that. And I did see that in the scene with her and Dana, Diana, Diana, uh, Diona, the way that Diana, uh, Diona, I thought, I don't know. The one who was, uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought she was very soft with her and very kind. Um, even though she was cleaning up Aegon's mess. And so, so you, know, you don't does, think that she poisoned her? I thought totally that she poisoned her, but she didn't fall to the ground. So if you don't, it well, was, it was green, it, was, it doesn't happen, it was right? Moon tea. <laughs> well, it could have been moon tea or it could have been poison that was not instant acting poison. It's possible. I thought the same thing, to be quite honest. I thought, oh, she's going to poison her so that that story doesn't get out. But I don't know. I guess if we see her again. But why would she give her money? To keep her calm. To make her think that she's not being poisoned. So she'll drink it. To make her so think, right. oh, it's only moon tea, so it's okay if I drink this. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Well, so why don't you guys talk about um, kind of your notes on Alicent and what you think so far because i think i've been pretty vocal about how i feel <laughs> well i have thoughts i'm i'm going to probably piss off a lot of team green uh so <laughs> i'm i'm okay with that but <laughs> um Rennie, why don't um let's just go go keep in order here if if you would like to to go first if you have some thoughts about Allison or a point about Allison specifically you know, I think it's it's difficult if your show only to make the transition from young Alicent to adult Alicent, mm-hmm. because young Alicent was completely a sympathetic character. Yes, she was. She was sweet. Uh, I loved the relationship between her and Rhaenyra. She was dutiful, um, and yes, she always believed that she was doing the right thing. And mad because other people could get away with things that were not the right thing. But even when she's still young Alicent, we start to see her inflexibility come out Mm -hmm. uh, in her utter condemnation of Rhaenyra because she with the, may have the committed the some brothel. transgression. Right. Even, yeah, even before Kristen Cole confirms uh, for Allison that they had sex, Allison is just so rigid when she's talking with Rhaenyra um, that that's our first glimpse of adult Allison and that she's just continued to harden as she has grown older and had this, you know, difficult life that is completely devoted to service and duty and her rigidity um, keeps her from being a good parent to her sons and also she doesn't wisen up as she gets older she continues to let her father Otto uh, manipulate her Mm -hmm. and she never is able to use her own judgment and then we do see the dagger scene where she wants to take out a child's eye herself because everybody else has refused to do it for her the literal eye for an eye justice so 
if I'm surprised that people's sympathies for her have not been troubled by that episode, at least. Mm. That's that's a that's a really good point. Yep. Yeah, Rima. Well, like I said, I've I've made my position very clear in who I support, and I admit the show is it's it's giving us sides or at least definitive answers to parts of the story that we didn't get in the book. Um, and so I can, I, I understand if you're not a book reader, um, why you would lean maybe, uh, towards feeling sympathy for Allison. I, I, I resonated with, with young Allison as well. I thought the, the life that they brought to that character was fantastic. Um, but Allison is not redeemable irredeemable to me because of this or really any episode. I don't see any redeemable qualities at this point. If if she truly believed what she heard from Viserys when she heard the prophecy, I know she didn't understand what she was hearing, um, but she was taking that and running with it. And she tossed aside what she said at the dinner about supporting Rhaenyra and then she still decides to support her son and put a drunken rapist who is wildly incompetent to rule over mm-hmm. Rhaenyra. That looks mm-hmm. that makes her look worse to me, not redeemable. Mm, uh, I I agree. And this religious persona that she has taken on, which I was surprised. Um, to see that, and I'm sure I'll probably talk about it in book talk, but I was kind of surprised um, by this. But I think that she has taken this on, and it serves a couple of different purposes. I think that she uses that to s- soften her persona while she sits on the throne in Viserys's absence to give her this appearance of having these strong convictions and willing to back them up. And I think it. Um, she personifies this in how she dresses. She's now wearing this big, giant seven-star pendant, these, these chunky gold chains that drape across her um, in the front, almost like armor. And I think that she uses that so she can look virtuous to those also that witnessed her slice Rhaenyra on their arm six years ago. Um, oh, I think you're very right about that, yeah. Yeah, and also uh, virtuous to the servant girl as she pays her off uh, because her son raped them. Um, And the seven-pointed star that hangs in the halls is part of managing her image. Uh, And as Damon puts it, she's removed all of this Targaryen heraldry. And I think in a way it was intentional, in a way almost basically saying that Targaryens are no longer welcome at the Red Keep. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my opinion, Allison has convinced herself she is a victim and thinks that she deserves power because she did all the right things and she made sacrifices. But I think she's a hypocrite handing out moon tea uh, to servant girls so they aren't having bastards to mess up the succession. Um, and religion will not save her. And I want everyone to remember that those that were killed the last time that the religion was brought up to the forefront and brought into the game. You know, how did that, how well did that work out? Oh, yes. 
So I, yeah. I just want to make very clear that my, the reason that I am Team Black is because Rhaenyra is the named heir. She is the heir. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think that that's really important to remember. I, you know, the fact that that isn't just, you know, what we're dealing with, and and that isn't just the hard truth. It's been the truth for for what twenty years, I think. Yeah. I, this isn't a question anymore, you know. And if they really wanted, you know, trueborn heirs, there's Aegon and Viserys that you know her and. And Damon had, if everybody wants to just skip over the first three boys, whatever. But she is the named heir. I completely agree with you. Yeah, that's that was that was my um, sticking point whenever I you know, when I read the book first before the show ever came along. That was it for me. Yeah. Ends there. So it's interesting that you said all that you said, um, Rima, because I think that it's really kind of relevant to today's world a little bit where there's a lot of hiding behind religion to um, create an image of yourself that maybe isn't the same as behind closed doors and kind of the rules apply to everyone else, but not for me because I'm mm -hmm. saved by God. Yeah. Um, and I think that when you see that hypocrisy so blatantly on the screen, um, and then you kind of see it in your everyday life, especially in, in, in these times that we're living in right now. You know, it's very difficult, at, at least for me, and it sounds like for you too, Rima. <laughs> yeah, I have a problem. <laughs> to, to be okay with any of yeah. that. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I love what you're saying about that because I think that you're, you're right on with all of that. Um, and you and Rennie, I mean, she is the named heir. Yeah, I mean, that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Our discussion should end there. Yeah. That's it. Um I do want to read this one thing that we got as an email from uh one of our listeners. Um her name is Jody. I didn't get your last name on here. I'm so sorry, Jody. But she said that um she offered the thoughts of Vera the Dragon. Um who is a sponsored page or something like that, but it's a Twitter user by the name of Vera the Dragon, and she tweeted something on Allison, and she wanted to share it with us because she thought it was a, a really, really good explanation of, of all of this, especially with Allison. So um, it says here, this is the, what the tweet said, Alice in the show, Allison in the show, was a victim. She then turned around and decided to destroy someone as she claimed that she claimed to love because that person wasn't suffering her fate. It, she had become a tool to the system that victimized her. She is a caricature, a caricature of, if I cannot be happy, I would destroy those who are. I am moral and good, and any who do not follow the rules as I play them are evil and wretched. Alicent cannot handle that Rhaenyra refuses to bow to men's rule in the way that she did, and defies that which broke her. It threatens her worldview and sense of self, so she opts to tear Rhaenyra down and destroy her. Her trauma is valid and sad, but there comes a point where the abuse you have suffered does not and cannot excuse what you do. She has pre pressed past that point. Rhaenyra tried to make peace in a way that would have united their families to pr and protected Alicent's children, and Alicent rejected it out of spite. 
in the eyes of Corliss, Lenor, and Viserys the kind, Viserys the kind, <laughs> Rhaenyra's sons are legitimate. Legally, that means that they are. The only one insulted by them is Alicent, so she poisons herself against them and passes it on to her children. Rhaenyra is cunning, charming, politically minded, averting Damon's depravity, putting forward genuinely good ideas in the small council, and a loving mother. When she fights for her happiness, Alicent looks at Rhaenyra and sees everything that she is not, cannot be, and cannot have. She ignited a war that never needed to happen. Hmm. Yeah, I think that is very interesting. I think that Alicent is a victim of patriarchy, oh, and I you. think That's... that Rhaenyra is a victim of patriarchy as well. Yeah. Um, See, I don't. I don't think. I I talk a lot of bad crap about Allison. I know that, but I do think I don't think she's evil. I think she's extremely tragic. She's a tragic figure and a victim of the patriarchy. And uh, you know, Rhaenyra's dilemma is that she, as the heir, she needs to have heirs of her own, and for a uh, a man like Henry VIII who doesn't get the heirs he wants he can keep mm. divorcing executing uh executing <laughs> and, and uh, i'm going through the six wives <laughs> two of the two of them were executed one died in childbirth first one was divorced then execution then death in childbirth then execution again but you know why the two who were executed were executed? They were executed for adultery because they were trying to get pregnant by men who didn't have a fertility problem. Mm -hmm. uh, they were not getting pregnant with Henry. And if they didn't produce heirs, then they knew that they were in trouble. So that's the place that Rhaenyra finds herself in. She has to have heirs, but the only way to have them is to have children herself and if she has a husband who can't give her children because he's infertile or because they can't manage to have sex often enough to get her pregnant or whatever the situation is um then if she goes outside of marriage to get pregnant the way that Anne Boleyn did um then she's putting herself at risk because she's committing treason in a way a man who has sex out of marriage is not. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the difficulty for Rhaenyra in, in terms of her, her own position. And that's why, Kristen, they can't skip over um, Luke, Jace, and Joffrey and just take right, right. Aegon the Younger as the heir because it would be admitting that Rhaenyra had committed treason right. because she committed adultery. Right. Adultery right. is no, treason I mean, for a woman and not for a man, and that is one of the horrors of patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. And it's so easy to, you know, hate on Alicent or hate on Rhaenyra or, you know, hate on them hating on each other. But really what it is is it's these... I love the female perspective of this show so much because I really feel that we do see this show through a female lens. Um, and the men are making all these decisions and, and placing these women as pawns in their little game. And when it doesn't 
when the pawns start to like, you know, fight back a little bit, then everybody acts horrified. Like, wait a minute, you're not supposed to talk back. You're just supposed to be there. So, um, yeah, there's I, so few too that step up and say the right thing. What was it, Lord? Is it was mm-hmm. it Be- Beesbury? Oh God, there's so many names. And during the council, when they when it was first mentioned that you know everyone's yes. coming to court and this is what we're going to be talking about, and he's like, "Well, it's my understanding Corliss already named you know uh, uh, Luke as his heir," and they're like, yep. well, we know that's not right because blah, blah, blah. You know, they're kind of hinting around at his legitimacy. And then like, well, and how skilled is he? You know, he hasn't spent time at Driftmark. What does he know about sailing ships? And he's like, well, what does um, what does that have to do with the fact that he's been named heir? This, this, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he said it so well. And I'm like, thank you. You know, st- he's standing up for what's right. This is what Corliss wanted. Corliss, you know, considers him his heir. Why are we even talking about this? And um, so I love that moment where we at least get some hints here of, you know, people, in my opinion, saying the right thing. Yes, that was Lord Beesbury. Thank you. The the 80-year-old master of coin. Yeah, more about him probably in book talk. <laughs> yes, <laughs> more about him in book talk. We keep promoting book talk. We're 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 um, we're, we're definitely Catch swing. We've got a lot more people that have jumped on, jumped on board. I I I love all the comments that we get and pick people uh, showing pictures of their book. Well, I I I caved in and I I got it, or they got the audio book, and yep. I just say welcome. We 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 we're we're happy you're here. <laughs> you know? Welcome. What took you so long? Yeah. <laughs> We've been waiting for you. Just just trying to encourage more to uh, you know get into it. But anyway. Um, yeah, more about him uh, probably later. So, yeah, friggin', friggin' patriarchy in this show. Friggin' patriarchy. <laughs> um. Okay. I don't know if anybody has anything else that they want to say about the episode that isn't in book talk. So I thought maybe we just this is a I, good point to wrap it up here. Or no? I just have one observation. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Go for it. There were no dragons in this episode except what? for eggs. Just eggs. Egg. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I think considering how great this episode was, I mean, dragons were missed, but um it was such a fantastic episode. I was okay with it. I'll let it go this time. <laughs> I'll let it go. The eggs were fascinating. They were clearly inspired uh, by aliens. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was cool uh to kind of get to see that. I that's not how I thought dragon eggs were found and and searched and hunted for i thought it was poop and still he got up uh, until he got the chisel out yeah yeah i was like what are and you and as doing? he's chiseling away from it way at it i realized he was digging out eggs and i was thinking damon get away a face hugger's gonna leap out of there <laughs> yeah. waiting for it to like peel open very sinister yes, very sinister exactly <laughs> i love aliens so much <laughs> I I have a couple of notes. Are you wanting to um, jump? Are, are we ready for notes? Is it okay to talk about notes? Yeah, yeah, um, go for I, it. I, I'll make this quick. Um, so we've talked about, well, I know we've talked about Vaymon. I mean, that was a great scene, just that in of itself. And with Damon, when he's, gosh, right before he calls those children bastards and Damon's just like staring him down and he just very quietly says, say it. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. Man. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, Damon had 
such a good episode with very little lines. Again. Again. I know. I know. Matt Smith. He is the best quiet character ever. Well, and in the... (laughs) Totally. Oh, God, he's killing it. He's, gosh, he's just so personifying Damon in such a fantastic way and, and yeah in, in such a quiet manner like he doesn't need the dialogue he's he's his eyes and his face um and his demeanor and yeah when he takes out Vaymond that was amazing um during the banquet scene when all the boys are you know about to go at it and Amond is is very getting aggressive towards the boys and Damon steps in front of him and he just stares at Amond like what you gonna do you know <laughs> oh man and Eamon just stares at him and I swear there's this admiration that Eamon has for, totally and you can see it I mean and, and you saw it whenever uh, Damon took out Vaymond oh gosh all these names <laughs> um, sound alike uh, he, he, he just had he, Eamon has this constant like little smirk on his face it never stops he, and his face always remains the same it's so fascinating this actor what he's um, doing with the character but he, I swear he had this look of admiration for him when he did that in the throne room, when he um, took off Eamon's head. And then you could definitely see he wasn't ready to take him on um, uh, during the banquet. So I think really fascinating. And um, I, I'm excited to talk more about him in book talk. Um, Corlys, we've talked about him a little bit, but I'm really bummed that we didn't get all of this action that they mentioned on screen. He gets his throat cut is thrown overboard and wow uh i'm thinking well this sounds like an adventure why didn't we get this on screen so i'm kind of bummed that we didn't get that um talia was in the room with allison when she was talking to the servant girl she showed up to Maseria. did we catch that mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. what's going on there mm. i think that Maseria is becoming the uh priestess of whispers mm-hmm. yeah she's she's got something going on but does she who is she working for who's she working with do you think she's working with damon maybe or maybe maybe yeah maybe i thought that it was damon walking up to her anyways what's that famous cloak over the head he's when he when i know and i said yeah i even murder cloak yeah i told dave i said oh damon's got some killing to say when damon's up to no good he's got the his magical cloak (laughs) (laughs) i need a magical cloak no kidding where can i get one of those when i feel like i'm up to no good um reminds me of that kermit meme (laughs) um Really made me sad. Viserys's Lego set of old Valyria had cobwebs on it. Yeah, oh, man, that's all he wanted to do was play with his Lego set, and clearly had not been able to do that for so long due to his health. Really broke my heart, but it was really cool to see how much it had expanded. You can, cl- you can see the uh, how it's grown since we first saw him working on it. And man, I really would just love to study that because considering that's supposed to be like blueprint like he had like blueprints of like old valeria uh i wish i could have studied that a little bit more to kind of get an idea of what old valeria looked like before the doom mm-hmm. um did you see the cobwebs all over it though it's been abandoned for a really long time yeah. yes yeah freaking sad um showing you know clearly he's been in some poor health for some time um it hasn't been able to to continue 
Um, I thought it was interesting that the snub for Damon and Rhaenyra when they showed up to King's Landing, uh, that they did not get an official welcome, that it was Otto uh, and not Alicent. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I hope that you gave them, you know, that the welcome that befits their station. I was like, oh, are you? No kidding. You smug SOB. Um, so, yeah. And then when they were talking about Corlys and Rainey's asked where the raven was from. This is a dragon's egg, by the way. Um, uh, they said that the raven uh, came from Even Evenfall. Which is this even? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Did I say that right? Even? No, you oh, said okay. it right. Yeah. Um, which is the seat of House Tarth, where Brienne? Yep. Is from. So thought yes. that was a nice little call out. That was a good dragon's egg. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think I think that's all my notes that are show related. How about you, um, Renny? Any notes? Uh, no, just the the one about no dragons. That was it. <sighs> okay. okay. All right. Well, let's move into listener feedback because we got a, a bunch of it. Um, before we go on, I did edit it down a little bit. Um, I don't know if you guys got it all edited down, but we'll see. Yeah, that's okay. I We've gotten so much. I just want to say thank you to everyone that contributes to feedback. I think sometimes due to the volume that we get, if we don't include it, it's um, it's it's just due to time. Not that we don't read mm-hmm. all of it. It just may not always make it on air, but just due to the volume of it. But thank you, everyone, and please keep writing in. Yes, please do. I love it. Okay. Um, same order? So, Renny, if... Yep, same order. All right. Joanna Hetzler says, I was so touched by Viserys in this episode, how he surprised everyone and laid down the law from the Iron Throne, and his heartfelt plea to his family at the dinner table. He's not the best king, but he's the best person, heart of gold. Yeah, man, Patty Considine gave so much to Viserys that we didn't get. He sure did. You know, in the book, and God, so great. Um, So I agree. Um, I'm gonna miss him. Yeah, uh, Lindsay Schlick. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, um, that's gonna be rough. And if anyone had any doubt, they did confirm that he did die at the end. I'm not sure. There yeah. was, in my opinion, room for doubt, but I guess maybe some folks weren't clear. So if if anyone was in doubt, um, he did pass. Um, Lindsay Schlick says, "Now that was an episode worthy of the series. For the first time in many episodes, the show was able to make me not hate Alicent." Her interaction with the serving girl was much gentler than I expected. As soon as I realized what was going on, I thought for sure this girl was dead. The fact that Allison expressed regret, offered comfort, and believed her and gave her money was probably the kindest thing she would be able to do in the situation. Her rage at Aegon was also unexpected. While her response wasn't perfect in all ways, it was far better than I expected of her. Viserys was the clear standout of this episode. I was bawling at the throne room scene. To see this king we all viewed as weak, be so incredibly strong and brave for his daughter was actually, or sorry, absolutely heartbreaking. It was the most kingly moment of his life. The music accompaniment to his long walk was amazing. Damon helping his brother was almost more than I could take. I was a complete mess. His later scenes at dinner and then eventually his death is the type of emotional movement I've been waiting for in this series, and this episode did not disappoint. I think so often the deaths in Game of Thrones are so violent, few of us can relate. 
It's not exactly common to see people die by arrow or dragon fire or getting the top of their head sliced off. Freaking awesome. But many of us have watched a loved one succumb slowly to a brutal death by disease. So in a lot of ways, this was one of the hardest deaths I can remember watching on TV, despite my limited attachment to Viserys. 24 hours later, and it's still affecting me. I'm watching the throne uh, scene now as I type through tears, blown away. And I've been off and on with the series since it started. This episode brought me fully back. Absolutely loved it. That's I love her feedback. That's awesome, Lindsay. Yeah. Your feedback's always great, Lindsay. Thank you. Um, I don't want to get this name wrong, and I've always avoided, you've always managed to give it to other people. <laughs> so I just want to say I'm really sorry. I know I'm going to say it wrong. Um, Typhane Thibault, I'm so sorry, um, says, what an episode that was. The acting, the writing, the makeup effects, all fab. I don't get emotional easily when watching TV, but couldn't help myself this time. For those familiar with the Targaryen lineage, there was some foreshadowing from Viserys when he met little Aegon and Viserys. Okay. Um, Dragon and Zombies Mondays, we have to wait for Monday in the UK, are the best. Can't wait for <laughs> podcast and book talk. It is Dragon and Zombies. It's Dragon and Zombies <laughs> on Sundays, but yeah. Probably The Walking Dead and uh, House of the Dragon all air yeah. at the same mm-hmm. time. Yeah. yeah. That's my guess. Oh, yeah. Renee, no, I knew that. <laughs> Renee Murray says, man, oh, man, was this episode not a tearjerker? And there are several crying face emojis here. Viserys looking like the Night King was truly sad. You can tell when he would hear any type of noise that he was in excruciating pain, but yet still he got out of that bed for his daughter and grandkids. When they were cleaning him up and he was crying out in pain, I felt that in my soul. I was bawling like a baby, and when he told Otto, no milk of the poppy tonight, I thought I was going to pass out for him because you could tell he was suffering. Mm-hmm. I really felt some type of way when Rhaenyra asked him to fight for her because she knew that he was going to have to make the meeting in order for things to go their way, and she knew the cost of it. I realized, though, that she knew her dad was on death's door and the vultures were circling. And like any parent, when we say, we will go through hell and back for our kids, <clears throat> we mean it, literally. One Eye wants to be Damon so bad, and his mother wants to F Damon so bad. <laughs> hmm. <clears throat> Damon is truly the. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think Allison wants to do anything with Damon. I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? Damon is truly the man. His arrogance is what makes him, and the fact that he's a man of little words. He has a big ego, but he can back it up. He walks the walk. I love that, and I love the fact that he was taking up for his niece slash wife. I have always felt like he loves her the same way I love my nieces and nephews. Of course, I could never, ever procreate with my nieces and nephews. Ew! But hey, they are derived from dragons, so... (laughs) Viserys wouldn't allow anyone to help him to the throne but his brother, and wasn't anyone in that room going to stop Daemon from helping him to the throne. I thought that moment spoke so much volume because Damon truly loved his brother. I have five brothers and I love them dearly. I lost one of my brothers and the pain was unbearable. 
So to know that his brother was not long upon this earth, I know that was unbearable for Damon. When Viserys pulled his sword and said, I will have your tongue, Damon Damon knew he didn't have the strength to do it, so he did what any brother would do. He handled it for him. I loved when King Viserys walked into the room and Rhaenyra saw him. She knew everything was going to be all good because her daddy had her. Damon cutting off Vaemon's head, or whatever his name was, is epic. Actually, it was misspelled and I just supplied Vaemon. Um... He was like, say it, I dare you. I double dog dare you, whatever that means. I have no, no, no idea why we say that to kids, why we used <laughs> to say that as kids. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, the dinner was epic, too. When one eye said three strong boys, I was like, he's wrong for that. I'm trying my best not to like one eye, but I loved him in the last kingdom. So did I, Renee. All Viserys wanted for, was for his family to unite, but I feel like a line was drawn in the sand that night because too much division had been sown among the kids. I cannot wait to see what happens next week. Long live King Viserys. May his reign live on. Oh. That was sweet. Thank you, Renee. Penny Lennox says, Is it me or was this episode overly dark as well? I have a really big TV, and I was squinting at the dinner scene. Uh, Grumpy ran over. Otherwise, the dinner scene was outstanding. I love the subtle and not subtle politicking and barbing. Prince Aegon is a standard spoiled brat, but Aemond is fascinating. First of all, he got a glow up to Ewan Mitchell and now looks like a Middle-earth elf or the Witcher with a resemblance to the Malfoys (laughs) as well. Second, he is kind of a Daemon 2.0 with his way with words and aloof above it all poise. Damon was so into it. He was practically grinning in enjoyment at the chaos. And cheers to Aegon's wife for her toast about how marriage isn't too bad. I was having trouble <laughs> accepting Emma Darcy's Rhaenyra <laughs> until this episode. She seemed like her old self with a sense of mischief and fire. I guess she had been fresh from the birth bed and in mourning in prior episodes, but this at court Rhaenyra reminded me of her younger self. Yeah, I didn't give... Um, thank you, Penny, for that. That's where she ends. But um, as she's talking about Emma Darcy... They gave an amazing performance. Yes. They were amazing. I could uh, totally agreed. They have this character down so well. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's all picked up in these small nuances and facial expressions and her crying at her dad's bedside. Oh my gosh. Uh, Rhaenyra crying at her dad's yeah, bedside yeah. and just being like I don't know this is too much this is too much for me and she was I mean to be a grown woman who has at this point I think I counted six kids or seven kids including all of her blended kids and all you know everything um you know she has she's she's in command of her of Dragonstone in her own house but she was this little girl crying at her dad's bed just needing her dad to be there for her and oh my gosh if that just wasn't yeah it was just incredibly done incredibly done it was so so good i I completely agree emma darcy is nailing 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 it she's doing a fantastic um sorry they are doing a fantastic job um i i fell in love with emma darcy over this week too really hard there is an interview going around that was posted on the hbo max tiktok if everyone hasn't seen it Uh, i can't stop watching it 
Um, as oh, I'll, I'll have to play it for you here and here in just a little bit, um, maybe once we're done recording, but I encourage everyone to go check it out when um, Emma Darcy and Olivia Cook are talking about uh, what's your favorite drink. They're kind of asking like little questions to each other and Emma Darcy answers uh, Negroni uh, Spagliato with Prosecco in it. And the way they say that, oh my gosh, I've que- I question my sexuality, honestly. Uh, I can't stop watching. I cannot stop watching. I- I'm falling for them hard. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll have to play it for Totally understandable. Yeah, I yeah. mean, uh, yeah. their voice whoo, and delivery. Anyway. Yes, I, I, I digress. I completely agree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the record, because um, this is important, Rhaenyra has five sons and she's pregnant with her sixth child. Right. Yes, she okay. was pregnant. And if um, I think they I think it was clear. But if anyone wasn't sure, she was pregnant there uh, in, in, right. in those scenes. So and then she has two stepdaughters. Yes. Correct. Blended family. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Right. So I think that's what I was counting it all up. Yes. As. Yes. So that makes um, seven plus one on the way. Oof. Yeah. That girl. She is boy mom, <laughs> stepmom. She's doing it all. She is. Heir to the throne. Yes. Her, she's handling Damon every day of her life. Dragon rider. <laughs> she's got yeah. a yeah, lot badass. going on. Uh, fighting the patriarchy. Yeah. I'm here for it. Right. She's fighting the patriarchy and eating some Skittles, and she's all out of Skittles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Megan Lehman says, I just want to say I was happy when it seemed like Rhaenyra and Damon's kids were relieved slash glad to be betrothed. Those girls are as adorable as their mother. I guess in this world, the best you can dream for is a double wedding match with your step siblings <laughs> cousins that you beat up bullies with. <laughs> it's a big, happy, incestuous, alternate universe Brady Bunch world. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I think Megan wins the feedback of the that week was award. Good, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey H. Labby says, "Teen green kids, boys are brats, and some lessons. All but the daughter; she is chill." Yeah. Uh, hashtag Let's save Helena. <laughs> save Helena. <laughs> Megan O'Connell says, I'm loving this show so much. I find myself watching it twice on Sunday nights and several times again during the week, especially after your breakdown of the episode. I hope you can explain if Amond is supposed to look so much older than Aegon. Also, the ending is so sad. That was meant for Rhaenyra, and now he's the cause of the civil war to come. Uh, I've seen a lot of discussion. I'm not sure there. It, it is... I think interesting that Eamon does look older than Aegon, even though he's the younger brother. I'm, I'm, I'm just rolling with it. I, I like the choice of uh, actor. I do question a little bit Aegon, but mm-hmm. you know, we'll go with it. According to the book, Eamon is supposed to be nineteen and Aegon twenty-two. Mm-hmm. Well, Aegon looks, you know, twelve. Yeah, he does. Yeah, but that's because he's a dissolute he'd he'd make a great uh young version of the emperor in star wars oh Ooh, he would he would 
I like it that we both took that very seriously, Renny. <laughs> I'm mixing my my nerddoms here. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Those are my nerddoms yep. too. <laughs> Alicia Stout says, Hi, Kristen. I love how you say hi to me on the pod, so I'm saying it back. Hi to Rima too. <laughs> hi, Alicia. Quote, if you think this has a happy ending, <laughs> you haven't been paying attention. End quote. Tyrion Lannister. Mm-hmm. What an episode. Poor Viserys. When I saw the memes going around last week of him looking like the Crypt Keeper and then watched this episode, <laughs> it wasn't too far off. Jeez Louise, he looks terrible. Missing half a face and an eye only to cover it up with half of a Sons of the Harpy mask. <laughs> his hair is almost gone. His back is still full of sores and his teeth. Ew. Yes. I- I have a thing mm-hmm. about teeth. Yes. Yeah. And could not one person help him walk or hobble up to the Iron Throne when those doors opened? Everyone just stands there. I know. Shocked, but still. Ugh, that was cringy to watch, and I had so much sympathy for him. Damon helping him up the stairs put and puts on his crown after it had fallen off was very emotional, brotherly, and touching. I think that was Damon's uh, best best moment. Best yeah, moment, absolutely, sure. yeah. And you know, we have we didn't discuss this, but also the way that Damon was speaking to Alicent in Viserys's room when they first reunited. Mm-hmm. Um, that I loved. I loved that little scene because I just thought Damon was just like, "I'm his brother. I don't care who you are. You're messing everything." <laughs> yeah, <up." laughs> it was wonderful. It was. Yeah. He really had the power in that room, and it wasn't because he was the man. It was because, like, he's like, no, you're insane, and I hate you. <laughs> yeah, he has a presence, for sure. Mm-hmm. May Elmerdini says, so you have converted me to the book reading, or should I say listening club. Thank Woo-hoo! you. Welcome to the club, May. <laughs> I just started I decided to start the book from the start and boy am I glad I did. So cool to have the background. I'm still a ways away from catching up to the show but I do recommend it. I wonder if they'll do flashbacks. Since I've started reading the book, I think I have a better perspective as to why Alicent is the way she is. No book spoilers here. She's driven by her faith and religion and the Targaryens have a long history. While I do sympathize with Alicent, I am still team Rhaenyra. From what I see on the show, while Alicent started as someone who seemed to want to keep the peace and tried to build a bridge between Rhaenyra and her father, she later became obsessed with virtue and honor and didn't seem to care for her children and wasn't a good mother to them. In my opinion, she caused the rift between the children with Otto's influence, of course. She was blinded by what she thought was right, but the world is not so black and white as she'd like it to be. She started sowing seeds of hate between her children and Rhaenyra's, which is interesting because she was a better stepmother than a mother. As for, R- R- yeah. as for Rhaenyra, she started off as a rebel and wanting to break the rules, but she evolved to be a better person driven by duty. She is a better mother than Alicent as well. You can see her guiding her children to comfort others while Alicent is trying to build warriors for, a future, for future fights. Rhaenyra has been trying to avoid war and to build peace like her father by building alliances, and she's trying to send an olive branch first. She did this again in this episode, and I do think both sides were sincere, but it's too late as the kids are all ready to wage war and there's no turning back. 
In this episode, we see that she finally realizes the weight of the crown and wants to move forward to fulfill the prophecy and protect her children. But then Viserys gets high and Alicent thinks he's telling her her son is the prince that was promised. And there are some emojis here that I'm not entirely sure what they are. Like the <laughs> prince that was face. promised. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, poor Viserys is finally gone. I thought that Damon was going to smell poison when he smelled his medicine. Aemond is interesting. He gives off very creepy vibes. His stare of death from the one eye sends shivers down my spine. Also, I don't want dragon on dragon action, but I can see where this is heading. Crying face emoji. Sorry for the extra long post, but it was a great episode. I'm already starting to have withdrawal. Just two more weeks to, with just two more weeks to go. No worries about the extra long post. We have extra long podcasts to go along with. Yes, we do. <laughs> as, as you experienced these past eight episodes, yeah. I don't know how we do it, but otherwise, um, looks like we have uh, an email from Sam Willis. Um, hey guys, love the pod as always. Could not write in about the episode. Great as always. But for me, the scene back where King V comes back to his throne, just wow. What acting on all parts, just incredible. Uh, but for me, Damon, last time I jumped up with the words, I believe, oh shit, uh, was the wed redding, wed, red wedding, sorry, alcohol <laughs> in Game of Thrones. Um, he can keep his tongue <laughs> left. It's emojis. <laughs> Laugh, Matt, uh, love Matt Smith. Just outstanding. By the way, didn't know if you knew, may have discussed um, in the pod, but when Viserys dropped his crown, that was completely improvised uh, by Damon or Matt Smith putting it back on. Just fantastic. Added so much more depth. Keep up the good work. Sam from the UK. Um, yes, we did know that and did mention it, but thank you for pointing it out because it made yeah, it a little more so- awesome. That and also Viserys looking at Rhaenyra um, was also improvised. Um, I guess when they first um, did this scene in one of the takes, it I guess it looked like Viserys was walking right towards Rhaenyra, and um, that wasn't planned at all. Mm. And so the two of them kind of like looked at each other and like stopped. So they, when they did the take the next time, uh, you know, they had him walk to the throne instead of like right to her. And maybe it was because Patty Constantine couldn't see up and he was like zigzag, like he was just right. moving towards her. Um, but they did find that him stopping and turning and looking directly at her and them having that moment was like actually more impactful. And so they added that in and they improvised it. That's awesome. So I love that. I love little stuff like that. I, I love the trivia. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have one um, one call, our weekly live steving. Hello, Dragoncast. This is Steve, and this is for Lord of the Tides. Um, I did see the ending last week. I don't know why it didn't click in my head that that was Coral and uh, Le- 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 I still don't know how to say his name right. So, yeah, and I, the recording was going long, so that's why I ended so abruptly. Okay, so this is a six-year time jump from when Corliss was killed? Oh, he's not dead yet. Which one is Cyrax? Is that his dragon? Uh, Damon's? Oh, the king does not look or sound good at all. He's had two children now with Damon. Okay. And now we find out that one of Allison's sons is a rapist. This is the same tea that was offered to Rhaenyra. 
Okay. This is Rhaenerys' sons, Jace and Luke. Lace, what was it? What, oh, I can't remember names. Oh, and the one-eyed Targaryen swinging a mace. Sorry, he's got the sword. The other guy's got the mace. You gonna tell him that Laner's alive? Tell her that Laner's alive? I didn't understand all that stuff between Rhaenyra and uh, the queen who was not, but I'm sure you'll explain it. The Song of Ice and Fire, that's the Game of Thrones time period, right? Oh, that Throne of Swords is huge. I don't think I ever noticed the magnitude of it in this show. Pause it for a second to ask this question. So the hand is sitting on the throne. Is that because he represents the king? He's allowed to do that in court? Oh, and the king makes an entrance. Is he going to say it? Is he going to call him the B word? Ooh. Oh, and Damon just cut his head off. Wow. Oh, so Lord Corliss is gone. And yeah, I remember you saying something about the stranger is their word for death. This, the Red Keep, is this where the Red, this isn't where the Red Wedding happened, right? But this is where they're having their family dinner. <laughs> Allison's son is just a dick. Like, talking to Jason or Luke, whichever one this is, that's just wrong. Oh, he said House of the Dragon, the name of the series. Mic drop. Of course, I failed to mention that the Lord of the Tides has been said many times throughout the episode, so a bunch of mics dropping. Notice that Allison is still dressed in her green dress, and apparently Renera has on her black dress. So there's that. This peace won't last long, I'm sure. Ace. And Allison's son is just, just showing himself. He's more of a dick, man, every time. Prince Aegon is the dick, and Aemon is the one that only has one eye. Just stood up and, and spoke, right? That's Rhaenyra's daughter. Oh, I'm sorry, that's Allison's daughter, and she's betrothed or married to... I, I don't have these relationships straight in my brain. That piece was short-lived. The king gets carried out, and of course, now Aemon's got to go in with the strong boys who grows his mouth. Did he think he was talking... Did he know he was talking to Allison when he talked about uniting the realm, the king? That's it for this week. Talk to you later. <laughs> always so much involved. <laughs> just cut so his head off. <laughs> okay, so for Steve, to have everything straightened out here, yes, the hand is the only person other than the king who is allowed to sit on the Iron Throne uh, when the hand is acting in the king's stead. That is true. Yeah. Uh, the Red Keep has nothing whatsoever to do with the wet Red Wedding. <laughs> the Red Keep is the castle at King's Landing, and it's called that because it's made out of red stone. The Red Wedding took place at the Twins, which belongs to House Frey. Right. I hope that helps you keep everything. It was red uh, in order, Steve. <laughs> That's right. It was, yes, it was red for a different reason. <laughs> yeah. And and thank you, Steve, for so, clarifying that you did that you were able to finish um, the episode. We were concerned that maybe you had um, maybe it had ended for you or something. I know sometimes my uh, HBO Max app acts uh, funky and stops and um, doesn't always act appropriately. So I thought, oh gosh, maybe something happened and you got cut off mm. there from the end. So I'm mm. I'm, I'm glad that you finished um, that episode. And thanks for that voicemail. Yes, thank you. Thanks everyone for the feedback. That was fantastic feedback. Got a lot of opinions. Uh, man, opinions are running uh, very high. I know for both sides. Um, and mm -hmm. you know, I just you know, I know I have very strong opinions about my uh, my loyalties, and people feel the same way about where their loyalties lie. If you happen to be on Allison's team and Team Green, and I understand that. And I I want to say. Even though I disagree, I feel like it's hard to, you know, I can't say that you're wrong because I feel like there's no right or wrongs. Um, everyone has different perspectives. Um, 
but I, 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 I strongly disagree is all I'll say. <laughs> so I just, you know, I feel like things get pretty heated and, and um, things go sideways. And I know I come across as very strong sometimes to people, but I um, just want to let everyone know everyone's opinion is welcome. Yes. I, yes. I totally agree with what Rima said. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I thank you, Rima, for having the words. I did, well, I don't always, and I don't know that I'm very good at them right now. I'm just I, I know I come across as very strong, very opinionated, and I like to be right. However, I there's um that's what's great about this uh, great about the book, great about the show, lots of different perspectives. It's hard to say one person's wrong versus for their opinion and where they see mm-hmm. um it is hard for me to understand how some folks lean on the other side because I feel like just because Allison is like you understand her motivations doesn't make sense to me that you would be on her side because you can understand everyone's motivations um but you know it's i'm not going to tell you that you're wrong for feeling that way so all opinions are welcome and we appreciate hearing them yes lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So now uh, that we've had our all of our feedback and uh, Again, just like what Rima said, thank you so much for everybody. Please keep them coming. We have two more episodes to go. There's going to be a lot more. I can just, I can feel it in my bones. So bring it on. Bring on, bring everything on that you want to say about every week's episode. Um, but for now, we are going to head into book talk since we have all three of us here today. We don't need to introduce anybody. <laughs> we just roll right into it. So this is your warning. This is your official warning. We are moving into book talk. So if you don't want to hear any book talk, turn it off. If you turn it off now, goodbye. We love you. Um, <laughs> but if you want to hear book specific, book spoilers, episode specific, tune in. And then we will let you know when we're going into just a free free verbal diarrhea of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, um, Renny, you want to kick us off? I do. So um, I, I was having to hold hold my tongue. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, when so we were talking much. a little bit earlier over many things, but this thing in particular. Uh, so I learned a very very interesting thing, and that is that the showrunners decided to cast the Valerians as black mm-hmm. in order to make it obvious that Rhaenyra's kids are not Lenors. Yes, and I was. I was thunderstruck by that because my interpretation of the book was that it was the shadow of a doubt that those kids could have been Lenors 
um, rather than Harwin's that kept the, that whole thing together. But the show, I think, is doing something much more challenging and therefore more interesting, which is making it an obvious deception. And anybody can see it. There, there is no mm-hmm. doubt. Um, and it's only Viserys' insistence that is holding this together and keeping Rhaenyra safe. And they really played that up in this episode. So I think that was, I think it's a great adaptation. And that makes it make so much sense to cast the Valerians as black. The Valerians, not the Valerians, the Valerians. Right, because in the book, there, there was no mention of their skin color and there was not an obvious telling that they That's were not right. Lenor's children. That's right, because the Valerians and the Targaryens both had the white blonde hair and the purple eyes. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they had similar looks. So and and in the book, Rhaenys, who is half Baratheon, has black hair. Yes. So you know, it's very reasonable that their brown hair could have come from their Baratheon ancestry right. through their grandmother. And so it's completely believable that they were Lenor's children in the book. Um, in the show, they could, have, they could have cast the kids so that there was a little bit more of a shadow of a doubt if they had more like, you know, dark-haired and olive-skinned kids, but they cast really white-skinned kids. Yeah. And that fits right in with what they're, what they're saying is they want it to be blindingly obvious that those are not Lenor's kids. And that just me- changes the meaning of what's happening in, I think, a really interesting way. I agree. I think it was an interesting choice. Yeah. So, um... The there is a six year ch- time jump that has happened between episodes, and the time that is skipped over takes up a total of three pages in the book. <laughs> so but they have also compressed the timeline on the other end because in the book, the time from the death of Lionel and Harwin Strong, which is the beginning of the time period that skipped over in the six years, to the death of Viserys is nine years. Um, so here's what happened during the six years uh, that we jumped over. Rhaenyra and Damon had their first child, Aegon, who had the pure Valyrian features of both his parents. And Alicent grew quite wroth, that's the term, quite wroth, when she learned that Rhaenyra had named her son Aegon, taking it as a slight against her own son Aegon, right. which according to Mushroom, it most certainly was. <laughs> I love Mushroom. <laughs> yeah still waiting on mushroom mushroom yeah yeah um he's under the table you just can't he's there you just can't see him <laughs> it's too sad to be a fool right now <laughs> i know that's right yeah um so archmaester gildane the fictional author of the fictional fire and blood refers to allison's son as aegon the elder and rhaenyra's son as aegon the younger in order to avoid confusion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two years later, Rhaenyra Rain- and Daemon's second son, Viserys, is born. He is smaller and less robust than Aegon, and his dragon egg never hatched, which the Green Party 
takes as an ill omen, and they were not shy about saying as much. Well, they haven't been shy uh, yet. Say no. Why stop now? The same year that Rhaenyra's son Viserys was born, King Viserys and wed his son son Aegon and his daughter Helena to one another. So that that's the language of the book. King Viserys wed his son Aegon and his daughter Helena. Doesn't say anything about what Alicent may or may not have thought about this, and the show doesn't give us what she may or may not have thought about it either. At that point, Aegon was 15 and Helena was 13. Um, I think they've aged them up a little bit in the show, but with the time jumps, it's kind of hard to tell sometimes. Um, A year after the marriage, Helena had twins, and we know that Helena has children in the show, but we don't know anything about them so far because we just know that um, the servant who Aegon raped was supposed to dress the twin, uh, dress the mm-hmm. kids. So, um, so we may hear more about the Helena's kids in the next episode. So I'm not going to say more about them until the spoiler section. Uh-huh. Uh, but we are told that marriage did not satisfy Prince Aegon the Elder's carnal appetites. And Mushroom says he fathered two bastards the same year his twins were born. One with a girl whose maidenhead he won on the Street of Silk, and one with one of his mother's maidservants. So the, the show has changed that, and the maidservant is given... At the least, moon tea, at the most, poison, so that she won't produce a bastard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but maybe um, maybe it won't work. Who knows? Who knows? Or yeah. just who Allison knows about, you know, who knows if there's um, others, you know, as he's frolicking, you know, in, in King's Landing. You know, um, yeah. you know she's, she's, yeah. she's cleaning up the messes that she knows about anyway. That's right. The ones she knows about. Um, and so um, then Amond, um, and we talked about the actor who's playing Amond, who was, he was in The Last Kingdom. So I have a casting suggestion for if they take this show back and do the conquest. How about Alexander Draymond, who played Uhtred, son of Uhtred, in The Last Kingdom for Aegon the Conqueror? I think he'd be awesome hmm. I, I never don't... saw the last kingdom yeah i have not oh you, you have a homework assignment you okay. need to see the last kingdom <laughs> i'm looking and you have to you have to just get through the first two episodes i i started it once and i stopped it and then i went back to it another time and then i was just completely hooked hmm. so that must be yeah. what i did i i must have watched the first episode and i think it was in the first episode that the the king was like using his throne to also poop in it or something like that while he was <laughs> taking people at court. And I was like, what is happening? No, right that's now? a different is that show. Vikings? Is that- I think that's Vikings. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm getting everything mixed up. Well, there's, yeah. there's just too many shows. Uh, well, I just, I just are. looked oh. up on, I'm not as familiar. I think I've heard of it, but I'm just not familiar and I haven't watched it. But I just looked him up on IMDb for that show. And I could definitely see him yeah. being a good uh, king uh, Aegon the Conqueror. Aegon the but, Conqueror. But you know, I, I had a little bit of an affinity for Alexander Skarsgård as playing Aegon. That's who I kind of pictured. Oh, um, but um, oh. I wouldn't be mad about this guy. Yeah, Put a blonde okay. wig on him. Uh, yeah, any Skarsgård. Uh, I'm afraid Alex Alexander Skarsgård may be getting a little bit too old to play Aegon. <laughs> Maybe. But- 
So they have to do, they it, have to soon do it soon before he gets any You're older. Right. Yep. Yeah. Which is okay by me. <laughs> yep. So anyway, Amond <laughs> had become a proficient swordsman under the tutelage of Kristen Cole, but he remained a wild and willful child, hot-tempered and unforgiving. And then his youngest brother, Daron, who we have not seen in the show, but, but hold on for a sec. Uh, Daron was the most popular of the queen's sons, as clever as he was courteous and comely as well. But when he would turn 12, he was sent to Old Town to be a cupbearer and squire to Lord H- Hightower. And we've talked about whether or not Daron is going to exist in the show. Yes. And I have seen it pointed out that Alicent's bloodline in the opening sequence has four rivers of blood running out of it, not three. So maybe he will show up. Yes. Thank you for pointing that out because that's actually in my book notes too. I know we have talked about that. Uh-huh. Like where is 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 Daron Targaryen? And it seems um now again, I my source may not be a hundred percent confirmed because I saw this literally just before we were getting ready to record. So I need to confirm the source. But I'm reading that George Martin confirmed that Daron Targaryen, Viserys and Allison's fourth child, was not cut from the series. There's a mm. quote, and again, I need to confirm the source, uh, says, yes, Alicent has given Viserys four children. His youngest son, Daron, is in Old Town. We just haven't had, had time to work with him this season. Okay, And cool. yes, as you pointed out, Rennie, um, as I was also reading um, to confirm, well, I guess if you want to call it a confirmation, in the beginning uh, um, where they're showing all of the bloodlines, there is a... a, a branch of four from Alicent to represent mm-hmm. four children, not the three that we have seen. So. Great. So we'll get Daron, Daron and Tessarion. Yes, I think so. I think so. Again, <laughs> need to confirm the source, but um, that's what I'm seeing so far. Yeah. Great. And so that brings us up to the, to the point where we open in, in the show, um, in this episode. So. In the show, Corlys has been fighting in the Stepstones, and he's suffering from blood poisoning after taking a serious wound. But in the book, he has not been fighting in the Stepstones. He's been on Driftmark this whole time. Mm-hmm. And he comes down with a fever. Right. And that's how the question of the succession arises. Uh, so since both of his true-born children are dead, by law, Driftmark should pass to Jace, the oldest son of his son. And this is the point where Rhaenyra urges him to name Luke his heir on the grounds that Jace will inherit the Iron Throne from her. Uh, So the situation is quite different than it is in the show. Corlys is sick, but he's still able to be approached to name his own successor. Uh, And he is 73 years old in the book at this point, by the way. Wow. He's how old? But Corlys He's 73. Oh, thank you. Corlys is 73. (laughs) No, he's <laughs> some wizardry right there. <laughs> yeah, talking about aging up and down. Yeah. So Corlys also had half a dozen nephews, and Vaymond is his oldest nephew in the book rather than his brother, as he is in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they've just simplified making it his brother in the show. It's not a big deal. Yeah. So Vayman protests that the inheritance should pass to him on the ground that Rhaenyra's children are bastards. He said that on Driftmark. Yeah, he did. Not at court. Yeah. So Rhaenyra, quote, dispatched Damon to seize Sir Vaymond, 
had his head removed and fed his carcass to her dragon, Cyrax. Yeah, she did. (laughs) (laughs) What you say about my boys again? (laughs) They mama bear right there. (laughs) So whatever they chose to do, this section would have required a great deal of adaptation because it's not fleshed out at all. We don't know whether Rhaenyra went in person to talk to Corlys on his presumptive deathbed about making Luke the heir, or whether she sent an envoy or sent a raven, uh, or where Vaymond was when Damon was dispatched to take his head off, or whether Damon brought the body back to Dragonstone so Cyrax could eat him, or if Rhaenyra flew Cyrax to where the body was. <laughs> so even if they'd kept it exactly the same in the book, they would still have had to work out all those unspecified logistics. Yep. That's a lot to work out. This simplified it. And yeah, well, would have been uh, cool but what to watch Cyrax eat him? Oh, Cyrax Gosh. eat him. I know we haven't seen Cyrax, and I'm yum yum yeah. yum. We haven't seen Cyrax in a long yeah. time. Maybe yeah. she's getting um, bigger. Those are Cyrax's eggs that Damon was yes, finding. The clutch of he eggs. says, "Yeah, yeah." Cyrax gave us another clutch. Yeah. Um, but what they've done is that they put two different things together. That so that Vaman's death happened. In that way, but then after that, um, Corlys's younger nephews, along with Vaymond's wife and children, fled to King's Landing to cry for justice and to place their claims before the king and queen. Viserys heard them out in stony silence, then ordered that all of them have their tongues removed. He warned them. You, mm-hmm. you were warned. Yeah. He said, "I will hear no more of these lies." I so, know people believe um, him, you know? He's going to cut your tongue out. Like, he's going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, shush. And I know a lot of people expected Viserys to be ordering people's tongues cut out in this episode, but they, you know, they did it in this different way that I think works great. I mm-hmm. agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And I think the biggest change that they've made from the book is is Viserys's condition. Um, in the book, he had grown extremely fat and red of face and scarcely had the strength to mount the steps to the Iron Throne. He has gout, but he doesn't have leprosy or whatever sort of disease it is that he has that's eating him up in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, here's where the show really compresses the timeline rather than doing a time jump. He lives another three years beyond the incident of the Valarion succession. Um, Rhaenyra is not yet pregnant with her third child by Daemon during the Valarion succession crisis. Um, so here's what happens in the three years that are compressed into one day in the show. Well, he also he also doesn't have his arm missing. Nope, he does right. not. Mm-hmm. So. When he's coming down from the throne, after ordering the Valarions to have their tongues out, the nephews and the wife and children of Vaymond, um, he stumbles and gashes his left hand to the bone on the throne. This is something that we saw many, many episodes ago on the, sh- on the show. So Grand Maester Melos, who's still the maester at King's Landing at this point, washes the cutout with boiled lo- wine but it gets infected, and it is feared that Viserys might die. So Rhaenyra brings her own maester, Maester Gerardus, to treat Viserys. 
and Gerardus removes two of his fingers and he recovers. I so was up until this point this to happen, by the way, yes. I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt you, but like, I'm no, no, really no, no. disappointed that this didn't happen because I thought that this was totally going to happen. I'm like, oh, okay. So now she's going to bring her maesters. Everything's going to be better for a little bit. No, no, nope. no, no. They just really changed the way that Viserys is disintegrating. Yeah. So he had all of his fingers and toes and arms and all of his body parts up to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the point where he he loses those two fingers, which we saw him lose way, way earlier in episode yeah, in the show. three or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he recovers. Uh, and although he is weakened by this ordeal, he soon resumes the rule. And to celebrate his recovery, a feast was held. The princess and the queen were ordered to attend with all their children. And in a show of amity, they each wore the other's color. Mm-hmm. Something we most definitely did not see in the <laughs> <Definitely> show. Definitely not. <laughs> and so this is the feast that that they repurposed in the show to the one that we saw. Um, so in the book, many declarations of love were made, and Damon toasted Otto Hightower and thanked him for his loyal service as hand, and Otto toasted him back, noting the prince's courage. The children greeted each other with kisses. Quote, or so the court chronicles record. (laughs) Uh, The book suggests that there was still much discord under the supposed accord. And the show actually makes us think for just a moment that there still may be a path away from war. But in the book, um, Viserys leaves the feast early because he still tires easily. And it's Mushroom who tells us that Aemond toasted his Valarion nephews, speaking in mock admiration of their brown hair, brown eyes, and their strength. Mm-hmm. I have never known anyone so strong as my sweet nephews, so let us drain our cups to these three strong boys. And then nothing happens. There's no fight. He makes that toast, and that's it. <coughs> but later, Aegon the Elder takes offense when. Uh, uh, Jace asks Helena for a, for a dance. Uh, angry words were exchanged, and the two princes might have come to blows if not for the intervention of the king's guard. Uh, and whether Viserys was ever informed of these incidents, we do not know. But Rhaenyra and her family returned to Dragonstone the next morning. So. That that feast was a thing, but it wasn't as big a thing as it is in the show. Right. Mm -hmm. Then after he lost his fingers, Viserys never sat on the Iron Throne again. He held court in his solar and later in his bedchamber, surrounded by maesters and septons and his faithful fool Mushroom, mushroom. who, according to Mushroom himself, was the only man who could still make him laugh. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Oh, Mushroom. (laughs) Good boy. Good boy, Mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> um, and shortly after that, Grand Maester Melos dies. He had served as a moderating voice in the council who always recommended compromise. Now, he disappeared in the show during the last time jump, and he, so he hasn't been around in the show for a long time. He was replaced in the show by now Grand Maester Orwell, and without any fuss, but there's in the there's some fuss in the book. 
Uh, the opening created by Grandmaster Melos's death provoked a fresh dispute between the Black Faction and the Green Faction. Rhaenyra wanted her master, Gerardus, elevated to Grandmaster to replace Melos. She claimed that it was his healing skills that saved Viserys' life when he cut his hand on the throne. The queen said that the princess and her maester had mutilated the king unnecessarily, and if they hadn't meddled, then Melos would surely have saved the king's fingers as well as his life. Mm-hmm. Sure. Right. Yeah. Well, and I remember in the show, it, it was kind of under whispers. It was when Queen Alicent was coming into the chambers to greet Damon and Rhaenyra. And I thought Rhaenyra was saying something to Damon about maybe we should bring in our maesters, you know, to see if they could do something yes. for King Viserys. And I think maybe that's where they were trying to blend that a little bit. Um, yes, I think that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. And wasn't it alluded to a little that I know that Damon was shown kind of sniffing the cup after Viserys. Uh, took a drink of it after he asked for yeah. it and i thought oh what is he sniffing for is he concerned about like a poison or something and wasn't il- alluded to, or am i remembering wrong because it's i feel like i'm commingling something sometimes between book and show and maybe misremembering um but was it referenced at all that the possibility of um viserys being poisoned like slowly poisoned that's a fan theory. Okay, okay. It's not actually in the book. And that's part of the, the Maester conspiracy uh, okay. theory. So yeah. I, I think, sorry, I think what, ha- what that is, is that Viserys asked for his tea and mm-hmm. Damon smelled it and he knew it was milk of the poppy. And he's like, oh, that's right. Cool. Your tea. I got it. You know? Right. Yeah. So that was, yeah. Cause I thought the same thing. I thought maybe he'd, smell poison but then like he said something a little bit later to Alicent in that little reunion meeting that they had that alluded to the mm-hmm. fact that he knew it was oh when he said oh so you're just gonna keep them you know drugged up on milk of the poppy day in and day out and just do whatever you want like he said something like that so yes I think that's exactly right I mean if anything um, it seems so- like they were trying to keep him alive which seems almost cruel considering his condition I know um like, I think they're trying to keep him alive to, for Aegon the Elder to come of age. Maybe, well, that, and they get to rule in his stead. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, if anything, it's almost a cruelty that they were keeping it's him very, very alive cruel in that condition. Yeah. I mean, it seemed miserable. And God, my heart broke for Viserys. He died alone. I'm like, why isn't yeah. someone sitting in that room with him? Someone, whether it yeah. be a family member, a maester. Uh, someone sitting with him, keeping him company and being with him. Mm-hmm. He died alone. That mm-hmm. was terrible. And he says, no more. Mm-hmm. Right? And and it's like he's saying, I can't take this anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's yes, suffering. they are cruelly keeping him alive and suffering. Yeah. yeah. Um. So the Citadel then sent um, Orwell to become Grand Maester. And uh, after... Orwell came, the king did seem to recover some of his old vigor, but the recovery was short-lived, and in the final years of his reign, as his health failed, Viserys left ever more of the governance of the realm to his hand and the small council. So we talked a little bit about the small council uh, member, Lord Beesbury, um, and who the members of this small council are are going to be very important. going forward so here's who they were otto hightower the hand grandmaster orwell uh 
Lord Commander of the King's Guard, Kristen Cole, which is a change uh, from the book to the show because Sir Harold Westerling is still the Lord Commander in the mm-hmm. show. Um, but in the in the book, he he's been dead for many years, and Kristen has been Lord Commander. Lord Lyman Beesbury, the Master of Coin, and he has been Master of Coin since uh, King Jaehaerys' time. He started as Master of Coin under Jaehaerys. He's been serving. He's 80 years old. Yeah. He's been serving. <laughs> Sir Tylan Lannister, Master of Ships, and Laris Strong, Lord Confessor and Master of Whisperers, who isn't on the small council in the in the show, mm, which is interesting. It is. It's interesting we didn't see him at all in this episode, or I, I, I guess we saw him in the crowd, but he didn't really play a role. Right. It's weird because I didn't miss him. No. Yeah, I know. That is kind of weird. Um, and then um, Lord Jasper Wilde, the Master of Laws, who's known as Ironrod, uh, and Septon Eustace says his nickname came from unbending his an unbending attitude toward the law. Mushroom, of course, says it's because of the stiffness of his member. Um, he did sire 29 children with four wives before the last of his wives died of exhaustion. Yeah. <laughs> so we've seen all of them on the small council except for Laris. Um, but they haven't really popped out much. You wouldn't necessarily know which one of them was which. Which, but they're all they're all there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they or their substitutes are all there. So, <coughs> by 129 AC, Viserys was growing weaker and weaker. He had chest pains that kept him from climbing stairs, and he was carried around the Red Keep in a chair. And we saw them carrying him around in a chair. Mm-hmm. Um. He, he started ruling the realm from his bed when he felt ro- strong enough to rule it all. Most days, he left matters of state to Otto. Then one day in early 129, uh, Princess Helena brings her children to visit the king. He tells uh, the children the story of how their great-great-grandfather, Jaehaerys, flew to the wall to defeat a vast host of giants, wildlings, and wargs. Then after Helena and the children uh, were gone, Viserys of House Targaryen, the first of his name, king of the Andals, the Roinar, and the First Men, lord of the Seven Kingdoms, and protector of the realm, closed his eyes and went to sleep. He never woke. He was 52 years old and had reigned over most of Westeros for 26 years. R.I.P. R.I.P. So that's how the book brought us to where we are now. Um, One of the things I really like in the changes is the way that the show making his illness so much worse. Yes. Really opens the way for the women to be much bigger players. Not just Rhaenyra and Alicent, but Rhaenys as well. And even Bela. And Raina. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, yep. and again, you know, all the props to Patty Considine for bringing so much to the character of the series. And I don't have, no, totally. I don't have the quote in front of me, but I believe that George Martin um, wrote to Patty Considine and told him, you, you, you gave 
and brought so much more to the character of Viserys than I ever did in my book and thanked him for it. So high praise indeed. Yes. Um, I saw a, a little clip of an interview with uh, George R. R. Martin where he said that Patty Considine's uh, Viserys was a more interesting character than the book version. Yeah. So yeah. I would fantastic. wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah, mm -hmm. me too. Yeah. Because Viserys was very lot. bland on paper. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Mm -hmm. um, and one thing um, that I didn't want to say outside of book talk that, that I do want to say about the um, Alicent hearing Viserys thinking he's talking to uh, Rhaenyra, uh, I think that Alicent may be thinking that she has been given a mission by Viserys Mm -hmm. to make her son the prince who was promised. It makes her potentially a more sympathetic character for non-book readers. Yeah. That they can they can take that interpretation. Uh, and I think that the show wants the audience to be at least a little bit torn between the two sides. There, I, I don't know how many book readers there are who are team green. Show only people, yes. Book readers, not as I, many. Yeah, thank you. I feel yeah, like anybody out there who's a book reader and team green, I, yeah. shoot us a message. I, I feel just, <laughs> you know, listening to people who are show watchers only seem to sympathize more or maybe our team green there's still some that are team black but i think they're they're definitely definitely leaning uh that or at least they see more of of like oh i i get that yeah um but book readers i feel i see almost always are team black and i'm like this is so interesting what the show has done you know mm -hmm. um that the things that mm -hmm. we're getting and kind of filling in the gaps or filling in the blanks a little bit of some of the context that we didn't get in the book uh, that the show is is kind of bringing us because there was this this prophecy we did not know this was there was not this prince was prom i mean we, right. we we heard about it in game of thrones but we did not know that this came from aegon the conqueror that aegon that this was a, a dream that's right or prophecy from aegon the conqueror and this was passed down from air to air this was show canon not from the book and so that did not exist in the book so therefore alicent did not hear that uh in in the book mm -hmm, so mm -hmm getting that here was interesting uh and and yeah making i think more sympathetic and so like where are they going with this this should i don't know if they're just trying to make it harder to choose sides um i think that's what they're doing to try to make make the show more interesting yeah right well they're doing a good job <laughs> i think they're doing a great job yeah yeah <laughs> That's all I have for the non-spoiler section. Well, that was great. Everything I have to say is just too much with, you know, I, I just want to talk about the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm definitely yeah. more into, I don't have anything to add to all the fabulous content you provided there, Renny, for book versus episode. I think most of what I want to hear or talk about is the heavy book spoilers and things to come. Um, mm -hmm. So I think if we don't have anything to add, do we want to give our little warning now for... <laughs> <laughs> Time. Danger, danger, Will, Will Robinson. Robinson. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, golly. Absolutely. Well, can I kick this off real quick with a question? Um, yeah. We're in full book spoilers now. So if you don't like it, turn it off. We love you. Goodbye. <laughs> um, Bye. Bye. <laughs>
So Helena says something at the dinner table. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. she does. And she says, beware the belly, the belly, the beast in the boards, or the beast under the boards. Beast beneath Shoot, the boards. I wrote it yeah, down. the beast below yeah. the boards, I now, think. Yeah. Is this a um foreshadowing of Rhaenyra's death? I of Rhaenyra's death. I wasn't sure what it wasn't clear to me. I don't I think so because it it's blood and cheese. It's blood and cheese. I think it has to be blood and cheese. Okay, because um, I was just cause, thinking about the fact that Rhaenyra is going to be, you know, killed and fed to a dragon. Yeah, but that doesn't that that wouldn't be below the boards. That happens in the courtyard. I just remember Joffrey looking over and oh, he's telling Marjor- Marjorie. Talking about Rhaenyra's fate and talking about talking about Rhaenyra's the, fate, and he, they were looking down. Oh yeah, and I thought that they remains. were indoors. Yeah, yeah. It, I think it was at the um, was it was it was it the Septon? Was it where where they were burying wherever they're burying the past Targaryen or the past kings um, and Targaryens and her remains? What was left anyway? Yeah, um, I have to rewatch that scene and see exactly yeah. where they were. But uh, so you Game think of it's blood and cheese? Had that wrong. <laughs> yeah, if if Game of Thrones suggests that Rhaenyra somehow died inside somewhere, that's just wrong. Um, yeah, I think it has to be blood and cheese. Okay, which we're gonna yeah. come up on pretty quickly if if they go there. Um, I don't. I don't think we're going to get that till season two. Oh, no, no, no. It's not happening this season. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't see how yeah. it could happen this season because... No. Uh, there's I, a lot that needs to happen first. Yes. A lot needs to happen. And I, again, I need to confirm this. I just literally saw something come across my screen as far as some potential news was... Um, and I need to confirm, but they're saying George R. R. Martin confirms House of the Dragon will require four seasons of ten episodes. I just each saw the same thing to tell, <laughs> okay, to tell Dance yeah. of the Dragon storyline properly. Yes, I don't know if that's a awesome. confirmation of what we're going to get. I think that's just what George right. is saying. He also said that Game of Thrones should have had thirteen seasons, and it didn't get exactly. Them, so. um, <laughs> and he was right, but this show, yeah, but he was right. It's exactly. such a hit. He was right. And this show is such a hit that maybe HBO will be well, willing to give it four listen seasons. listen to him. And be maybe. like, you know what? We didn't listen to you the first time. We're going to listen yeah. to you this time. We're going to do it right. Well, and Ryan, Ryan Condal's going to be on board with that. If George says four seasons, Ryan Condal's going to say four seasons. And I think HBO's going to do it. it. I mean, this show's a huge hit right now. It, so. Yeah. It's a cultural phenomenon. Yeah, so... Let, yeah. Let's hope. At least that's what George wants. He thinks it's going to take four seasons of ten episodes to be able to tell yeah. Dance of the Dragons um, properly. I agree. I agree. I think that's I, agree. I can live with. Well, can I live yeah. with it? I don't know if I can live with what's to come. Um, I don't want to watch I know. it. But there's so much of me that may not want to watch it. <laughs> just I know. Just want to be like, okay. <laughs> can we just stop here, season one? We're just going to stop. <laughs> Stop right, where, where everything's like still happy. Watching Romeo and Juliet all the time, like you're just watching it. You're like, it's going to end differently this time. I know it. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it not. Yeah, it's, it's not gonna. Um, but anyway, just talking about so, uh, you know the the seasons yeah. and when that might happen. And I'm curious what they're. Golly, that's a that's a poof. 
that's a benchmark um, in in yeah. the dance that yeah yeah wow well that's that's when all of us who are team black have to say okay neither side is um without guilt yeah that's when we have, yeah, that's when we have to kind of step back a little bit and go okay <laughs> well yeah. which is why i'm surprised if they wanted to make you know rhaenyra or rhaenyra and damon's side a little like less you know virtuous or like on in the right i guess is what i'm saying on this side is they should have had vayman's death be vayman's death Mm-hmm. Oh, like keeping mm-hmm. it to the book. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that, yes, it it would have been, it's foreshadowing when Rhaenyra feeds his body to S- Cyrax. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we've lost that. Yeah. Because, I mean, she's not the greatest queen when she becomes queen. Right. No. So... Partially because of the war that she's had say, to fight to get as right. far as she's And the gotten. children that she yeah. lost. and Yeah, yeah there's yes. a lot that, because I feel, and that's what makes me really sad when we see young uh, Rhaenyra. We have Emma Darcy's version of Rhaenyra, who I think is fantastic. And I think wholeheartedly, like in the book, her character is going to change so drastically because of the events. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You're just not going to be the same person I think, after you go through those things. Right. And I think that Emma Darcy is a strong enough actor that they are going to pull that I off. I think so. Mm-hmm. Brilliantly. Yeah. I think so. So um, I read the quote about Viserys' death, and I left off the last line because the last line is, Then the storm broke and the dragons danced. Mm. <laughs> um. Oh, and you know what this episode did not tell us, which is that the Driftmark succession crisis was really for nothing because Corlys is not dead. Right. right. They didn't tell us that Corlys isn't no, dead. No, well, sure. Yes. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he lives. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it made me think of the the Monty Python routine from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Uh, bring out your dead. <laughs> Bring and they throw a body dead. in the cart, and he says, I'm not quite dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, Corlys is not quite not dead yet. yet. Stop. <laughs> Who's his heir going to be? And he's thinking, hey, I'm still alive over here. <laughs> um, you know, I wonder what, going back to what you were saying about um, Four Seasons, I keep wondering where they're going to stop, right? Yeah. And we're not going to have any more time jumps uh, because the Dance of the Dragons lasts just two years. The Civil War just lasts two years. So they might jump months, right? But they're not going to jump years anymore. Yeah. But if they go on into the reign of Aegon II and Aegon Third, um, they could do some time jumping through that. They could. Because um, I- Fire and Blood ends with the end of the Regency while Aegon Third is not of age yet. It's when Aegon the Third comes of age, that's when the fire and blood ends. I wonder. Well, there's a volume two that's going to come out too, correct? Yeah, but it's not written yet. Oh, well, no, it's never going to come yeah. out then. All right. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder if it's really because, like, we we jumped so far and fast to you know, and I know a lot of people, and you included Kristen, had some issue with with how quickly you know we moved through some events, and oh yes, they moved a few things. 
I feel like that's where it's going to kind of stop. They're going to finally take their time to get through, like maybe the pacing, it will even itself out since now we're kind of at the time where we're going to be and we're like the characters that we have, there's no more aging them up. There's no more time jumps. Now we're at this starting point. Um, I wonder now if that's when they're going to start the, the, you know, not moving in such an accelerated pace. I wonder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, we have now met the next three kings of the seven kingdoms. Aegon yeah. mm. the Elder is Aegon the Second. Aegon the Younger is Aegon the Third. And, um, Viserys, Rhaenyra's younger son with Damon, is Viserys the yes, Second. Yes, and when Viserys was introduced to baby Viserys and he says, a name fit for a king. Name for a oh. king. Yeah. So cute. That's correct. Yes. Gosh. <laughs> um, and there's so much foreshadowing at the feast. Alan, Alicent says, we're both mothers and we love our children. And we love our children who are about to go to war with each other. <laughs> <I know. laughs> we love our children. Do you, though? <laughs> um, Amond and Damon giving each other those measuring looks they keep staring oh at each other gosh. and I keep thinking oh no no that no, last no. moment that is going to be one of the most epic fights ever though oh my like God. can we yes. just say that's ready. going to be incredible battle over the god's eye I'm not ready I mean I don't want to I want to see it but and I'm not ready that was definitely a moment when those two were staring each other down when Amond walked off. And I was like, oh my God, you guys. And I really wonder if Amond is going to have a sapphire in his empty oh, eye socket. Be better. He in the book. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> wicked cool. I hope, I hope they do that, but I don't know. Um, but the foreshadowing shadowing isn't just Amond and Damon, it's Amond and Luke. As yeah. well, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah, because uh, Amond is uh, uh, Luke is going to be the first person that Amond kills, and it's also going to be the first dragon death, and leads to a son for a son. That's right, uh, and that's why whenever I was talking earlier about Allison and her overhearing that prophecy, that. I know that show watchers don't understand the, like, I guess if you hear enough, like, oh, it's about the Targaryen Civil War, then you you probably know a little bit about what's coming, but they don't know what's coming. I mean, let's... <laughs> no, they have no you idea. You don't know the, 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 the absolute, um, like, terror and atrocities that are, are to come. Yeah. And that's why I'm like, don't simplify this terrible terrible war and what it does to these people and both sides you know to be fair um because terrible things happen to allison terrible things happen to helena and a lot of bad things happen to rhaenyra and her family it, it there are no winners in this story and that's why i was like don't simplify what's to come uh by yeah. her overhearing this and all of a sudden just like oh well now I must go this way because this is what I'm hearing and this is what Viserys wants me to do. No, this was, this was, you were always going to do this. You know, you, you were hearing what you wanted to hear and this atrocity and the divide between the families and all the blood and horrible things that are going to happen with so many dragons dying um, included yes. did not happen because there were three Aegons, you know, that, <laughs> you know, that were right. Right. Don't, don't simplify it in that way that I, I don't want that to happen and, or, 
you know, to be misled. Um, yeah. Yep, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the last thing that I alluded to before that I wanted to say more about is um, Helena's children. So she has twins named Jaharis and Jahara, mm-hmm. <laughs> but all is not right with them. Um, Jaharis had six fingers on one hand and six toes on each foot. And J- Jahara was tiny and slow to grow and never cried and never smiled. Mm. Yeah. But they were both given dragon eggs and both of those eggs hatched. Um, and then Helena has uh, another child who's four years younger, uh, which is the son uh, who's named mm-hmm. Maylor. So... Yeah, and uh, she has to. She has to have all three of those children if they're going to do blood and cheese. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't see any other way. No, I don't. I don't want that to happen. But okay, it's going to happen. So (laughs) it's going to happen. There's so much darkness that's coming. It's and that's really what's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Blood and Cheese is the Red Wedding of House of the Dragon. Yeah. It's the thing that book readers are never going to see coming, and then they're going to jump up and shout at their TV. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah, Yeah, there's going to be... It's going to be rough. There's so many things that are going to be rough. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I think um, that was one thing that, Everything else was hard to watch about this episode because it was so emotional and saying goodbye to Viserys and how great of a performance it was and all the emotions that came with it between him and Rhaenyra and all the things that we talked about. But then uh, knowing what is coming, like, okay, everything that we've watched, this has all been great. This has been fun. Look at all the things, you know, from the books and the call outs and the Easter eggs and um, and the new things that the show is bringing us. But this this was a very real moment. like. Oh, now we know what's next. Yes, it's all just been warm up. Yeah, yeah. If you can imagine that everything that even the horrors that have happened even before, um, and that we've already seen, um, is nothing like it's going to be. And I just don't know how to. I don't know how to prepare for it because I know I'm gonna. I I would cry just reading the book. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you know the the book was. um, I was like, wow. And and even with it being told in a historical retelling, you know, um, way, it was still moved me, and the sadness would overcome me. And I thought, how the hell am I ever going to watch a visual interpretation of these events? You know, um, it's going to be devastating. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one one might be tempted to say that George R. R. Martin is just one sick puppy <laughs> to think all these things yeah. up, but yeah. the fact is, is that he has based most of them. All of these events on real historical mm-hmm. things and just exaggerated them mm-hmm. a little bit. Right. And added dragons. Added some dragons. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. And that's probably scary to think about that. Yeah. He, he gets inspired from true events, kind of similar like Margaret Atwood with Handmaid's Tale. That's right. Mm. Exactly. You know, she's taken real things and kind of merged it into one um, book. Or books, but um, you know, that stuff ain't just fiction. <laughs> and George R. R. Martin's point is, uh, you know, there was a 
a poster in my youth uh, that was very popular that said, war is not good for children and other living things. And uh, that is his point in everything that he writes as well. Mm -hmm. It's going to be terrible. It's just going to be terrible. That's, I always try to tell people, I'm like, you know, look, they're like, well, I, I'm team green because of this, or I'm team black because of this. I'm like, you know what? In the end, it doesn't matter. I'm going to tell you, I was like, oh, everyone's bad. <laughs> everyone's going to do yep. bad things. Just to sum it up, I'm just, I, I don't know if I'm physically ready. I don't know what they're going to bring to us in these last two episodes. Um, well, the next one is called the, the Green Council. So I am assuming that that's going to be all the maneuvering that um, Alicent and Otto do mm-hmm. to set up their usurpation uh, while poor Viserys is rotting oh in his gosh. bed because they won't let anybody right. know he's dead yet. Which is interesting and because that- which is interesting because um, Rhaenyra is supposed to be at Dragonstone when this goes down. Right. Well, yes. And they were on their way back. Right, she was. She no, was she leaving. She was leaving in the morning. She was taking the boys back, taking taking the children back to Dragons, so she wanted to see them home. And oh, then she right. said she would return on Dragon back. Right, and I don't. I don't think anybody will know that Viserys is dead until the next morning. I don't think so. He was alone because he's mm-hmm. he's by himself. He's alone. Right. So I think that they will head back, and then we'll see all the maneuverings of the Green Council. And then the um, last episode is called The Black Queen. So then I think we'll see most of the events that happen on Dragonstone. Like in the meanwhile. Yeah, because it's days and days Mm -hmm. before um, Rhaenyra learns that... they finally send the raven. Viserys is dead. And and she's in labor, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And she loses that baby. Um. And so I think that those events and then they're, they're planning her coronation. And I think the last thing that we'll see at the end of episode 10 is Rhaenyra's cor- coronation on, on Dragonstone. I think you're right. Okay, based yeah, on, on, okay. That's why we were yeah. talking about the uh, titles of the show being kind of spoilery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spoilery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited for all of it. <clears throat> Yes. I'm I'm very interested to see what the show will do with the mm-hmm. book material. Yeah, filling in the gaps yeah. and agreed when you get two sides, which side is right or are both sides right as we've kind of come to see as the story unfolds um so far or, or neither, neither side like enti- entirely <laughs> new like oh that isn't what we thought we knew. Um so yeah. I saw a weird note um the other day saying that like the maesters that wrote about the Targaryens should be taken like even less seriously and less um as you know true just because of their hatred towards the Targaryens and probably yeah. like the bias that they had. So I'm enjoying seeing what you know the show is really un- unfolding. Um and I'm enjoying the fact that both both have uh both accounts have kind of been true and they take a little bit of yeah. mushroom they take a little bit of uh the maesters and they keep mixing it except in. eustace yeah yeah well and one of the things that is very subtle i think in fire and blood is that um 
Archmaester Gildane never describes what the Greens do as usurpation, but that is what it is. Yes, right. it is. And, and because he's, uh, you know, a champion of the patriarchy and anti-Targaryen, he doesn't call it usurpation. But you, you have to... You have to read between the lines and realize that it is usurpation. And in modern histories of the anarchy, the real world event that is the basis of the Dance of Dragons, um, Stephen is is always described as having usurped Matilda, who was the named heir. Um, so it, it you know it's it, it's very clear that that's what it is. But it isn't called that by the the maester who's writing the book. So I think that is an important mm-hmm. detail. And reliable narrators. Yeah. Somebody not willing to sign on to the fact that Rhaenyra was the legal heir. Yeah. Well, and knowing that, like, the high towers, in a sense, you know, because they're lords of Old Town and kind of in a way I don't know if you can really say that they control them but I mean being from Old Town and that's where the Citadel is I mean do they have some sort of influence mm-hmm, over the Maesters mm-hmm. a little bit so in considering Otto Hightower yeah. in this position and the Maesters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so stupid Otto Hightower <laughs> stupid Otto Hightower blast it I blame him I one hundred percent blame him. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, you know, and one thing we didn't mention, and I don't know, Renny, if this was in your notes. I know it sounds like we were getting ready to wrap up, so I'm not sure. Um, but we got mm-hmm. um Eric and er- Eric, Eric yeah, and Eric. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, I checked the cast, and they are actually uh, played by twins. So there really are two of them. It's not one actor yes. playing both, which it really needs to be because when they fight with each other, that'll be a lot yes. easier to stage. <laughs> a lot easier than the Lannister twins that we have uh, so far. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. And that um, is all I have. Cool. cool. Right. Um, Rima, do you have anything else? No, I've exhausted myself at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I think that that is our episode. Awesome. I love that. Thank you so much for that intriguing book talk. So much. Um, That was awesome. I love book talk. Yeah. All right. Well, you are very (laughs) welcome. It helps me. It's good therapy for me, honestly. So... And 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 you notice that this week I have usurped the podcast in its entirety. No, not so. at all. <laughs> not at all. I think this is one of our best episodes yet. Yeah, not at all. We had a good time. Well, next week we will be covering season one, episode nine of House of the Dragon, titled "The Green Council," which is the penultimate episode of season one. It's almost over. Uh, You can leave more of your amazing feedback at our Podcastica Facebook page. We post weekly feedback threads, or you can leave feedback by email at dragoncastica at gmail.com. Go out and leave a review, and please subscribe to DragonCast so everyone can find us on Apple Podcasts. 
Uh, you can find Dragoncast and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com. And that is our show. Thank you for listening, everybody. Until next time, I'm Rima. I'm Kristen. And I'm Rennie. Dracaris. Dracaris.